from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. <laughs> we'll go, hey, what's Brent talking about? <laughs> I'm going to just test right, my machine. We're, we're live. Talking. Okay, here we go, guys. Welcome to The Superiority Complex. Hey. Your new favorite uh, podcast. We have we have John today. A lot of people had to drop out. Jake couldn't make it, and then Brent is here, kind of hey. on the down low, yeah. visiting over from the home video hustle, where Anita has taken over as the number one. Our little Anita is now the star of Home Video Hustle. He really is. Probably I was coming. Up, I listened to the episode. <laughs> I listened to the episode for your for your birthday where you were back in Ohio. Oh, yeah. And when you guys were grilling her about South Central, and she was like, that's not where I'm from. And I like knowing Anita's background, I was dying. I was dying so hard because she's just this little quiet girl from Orange County. <laughs> Part of this thing from the hood. <laughs> you guys are talking about <laughs> these are your streets. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, camera said that the whole trip every time watching. He's like, them is your streets, Anita. <laughs> <laughs> like not all of California is like that. But I, I told her I, in, the, in the Midwest, growing up in Ohio, we watched those movies, and it's like that's honestly what that was our picture of what it was like. Sure, <laughs> of course. I mean, it's like one little section, right? It's like one little mm-hmm. part of it. I mean, it just that's just like watching everything with you know watching American Me. You'd think all of California was East LA, right? Yeah, you, you know. But we're yeah, well, it's over. like we're, when you go to. When you go to New York, you think it's going to look like Death Wish, you know? Exactly. You it's all, all going to be like, you know, you know, ways and sewers and alleys, you know. <laughs> I wish it, it did look like Death Wish. When I went to New York, I was in New York for like two days. I'm like, this doesn't look so much like Death Wish anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it doesn't look like the taking of Tele 1, 2, 3 so much, you know? Hey, if New York didn't look like that, we wouldn't have hip hop. So, I That's mean, very true. Good things, blackout. good things come out of bad situations sometimes. You know? There you go. Yeah, uh, there you go. Hey, you know, it's good to see you, John. Welcome back. It's good to see, have Brent here with us. We were kind of starting away with some technical difficulties to start, but we, we got it all squared away, and here we are. Can That's you up. tell how the, the levels are? Yeah, they sound all right? You sound great, man. You sound you sound full full voice and live. And um, all right, Tell me if you get that weird feedback. I'll just unplug the... Uh, well, here's Headphone. the thing. I don't. I can't have my cans on because I've noticed we're a little low, but uh-huh. everything comes through the soundboard. And for some reason on this computer, I have to run it through the master volume on the soundboard. So if I drop that, it kind of lowers out. So I have to, to have my cans next to me and kind of okay. pip in once in a while because it's going to, I feel like I'm producing right now. There you go. Yeah. On the ones like and two. I feel like I came, <laughs> I came up off of that piano and did a little producing. You know, what is it? You've been doing so much time producing. What? I forgot how that song starts. Oh, you've been doing so much producing. Why don't you come over and lay a funky track or something like that? I can't remember either right now. And then you hear the piano go. The real ones know. The real ones know what we're talking about. <laughs> how you been, John? Good? Yeah. Uh, real quick, I caught. I went and caught. Godzilla minus one minus color, saw it in black and white last week. Snuck away. I don't know how I feel about that name. I don't know if I like it or hate it because it's like you could have just put Godzilla minus color 
And this <laughs> minus one minus color is so stupid sounded that I love it at the same. Right. Somebody did a thing online where it said Godzilla minus one minus Godzilla. And it was just a picture of the boat in the water. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, really it, what no, they're calling it. I'm not, I thought they were just calling it Godzilla minus one black and white. Yeah. Why don't they just call it Godzilla minus color? Yeah. That's what I was there thinking of first. Yeah. But it was, it was a different experience. It felt, it felt oh, very, it did, that so scene did. where he attacks uh, the Ginza was like pretty amazing in black and white. It did feel like an old school. It did feel like an old school Godzilla movie. Okay. I wondered if it would be any different at all. If it'd be like just a little neat, little bonus feature on it. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what the, the parts that it took, you notice the effects more in the black and white. You do notice, the, you do notice the CGI a little more. Things look uh-huh. a little less realistic with the, uh, with the black and white when you're up close, like the part where spoiler alert, where he, chews the mine and it blows up and then he heals himself you could tell that that was a composite like cgi composite and like things like that it kind of brought out the effects a little bit more but it also added a lot of atmosphere a lot of mood like the scenes you know where he's attacking the city really felt like an old school godzilla like i was like this is what people in the 50s must have felt like watching this theater like that's really what it felt like it, you it, said they didn't. Just, you said the absence of color was not just like the push of a button. They really went back and yeah, they and tried to really do. Up. They tried to re, the director went in and tried to remaster it, like every shot, change the contrast, nice, so it looked like it was photographed in black and white. Because there is, there nice. is, and you what gives it away is always the lighting. When something's not lit, you have to know how to light for black and white. And when they go back yeah. and just take the color out, it's always kind of obvious. They did a better job with this one. Yeah. I think they did the same. They did the same thing with um, Nightmare Alley. They put it up for a week in black and white, and he said the same thing. He shot this thing really for black and white, so it didn't look. You know, it wasn't just like yeah, the the tip, the top, you know, click and point. He said we really shot this thing for black and white, even when it was in color. Right. Right, right, cool. right. Yeah. So, so hopefully that'll be a when they put that on DVD. Hopefully that'll be a bonus to have the uh, white version. For sure, I would love it. Yeah, because I don't think I'm going to make it to the theater to see it. I think today's the last day. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad I I'm glad I made it to the theater to see it in color, but I just couldn't couldn't pull it off this week to see it in black and white. Brent, have we talked about it on the show? What you thought of Godzilla minus one? No, I I haven't talked about it on the show or anything. I just left a review for it, but I loved it. It's honestly, I mean, because of nostalgia. It's not my favorite one. My favorite one is still the Invasion of Astro Monster, a.k.a. Monster Zero. That's right. always going to be my favorite one. <laughs> but, but it's honestly, if I was to do a ranking right now, and this may be controversial, Astro Monster is my favorite. Minus one is my second favorite, and the original is my third favorite. Well, that's not, I mean, I understand. Like, I'll tell you what, I feel like the, I feel like the original is always great. It's It's hard to top, but I feel like mm-hmm. the emotions the human emotions aren't it's the one Godzilla movie where the human characters are do kind of take center stage. Yeah. But this one tops it as far as like the emotional level. Mm-hmm. So I don't Easy. see a controversy putting this above the original. I, I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of interchangeable. I think you could, you could argue for either one. Yeah. Cause you're feeling a lot of emotion on that first one from 54 too. Mm-hmm. You know? 
that's really the only one before this one. That's the only one where I was really feeling some emotions, especially when you're watching the Japanese version. Yeah. Gojira, you know, you, mm-hmm. it's really a whole different movie. It's very heavy emotionally. Right. So I think they just they just went back. They went back to that first movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It worked out. Now, Astro Monster, putting that number one, that's wild. That that's is, my favorite. That is a I hot take. I always love that movie. What, what, <laughs> makes it, what makes it number one in your heart? Is it the Devo Aliens? Is it, it's all uh, of that. <laughs> I, it's, it's crazy because most people, when I say that, they're like, oh, that must be the first one you ever saw. Like, no, it's not actually. The first one I ever saw was Godzilla 1985. That's the first one I saw. But, but I don't know. It's just something about that one, just to, how dumb it is. Seeing Godzilla dance, you got uh, <laughs> King Peter there. Like I don't know, it's just I love that one. It's, you know that's what? Like though? A comfort it's, it's silly, but there's still enough of serious Godzilla in it that it makes it a good movie. Exactly. And you know, Brent, that that's the first one I ever saw, and and so I've got a sentimental attachment to that because I used to play that on the million dollar. And in L.A., what that was was they run it every night for a week at eight o'clock. So we watched it like five nights in a row, mm-hmm. which pre-video is pretty cool you know so i think we knew it backward and forward by the end of the week you know <laughs> so That's i got a fun. sentimental attachment to that one. Mm-hmm. i will tell you i was watching it and i because after you said astro monster i'm gonna go watch it again because i always discount it because of nick adams i always kind of feel bad. like the uh i always feel it. like throwing the american accent actors in there always kind of brings it down for me but watching uh, it again Watching it again, it is definitely one of the best of the of the Showa era. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's definitely one of the best of the of the versus movies where you got the other monsters in there. Because I never Godzilla versus Mothra was always kind of like eh, because it's like it's a moth. What what could it do? And yeah. uh, <laughs> the caterpillar is always kind of boring me because that's just boring. It's a giant caterpillar. Who cares? Uh, it's like it's like he's fighting an inchworm, right? Right. Yeah, you're just like, okay, it's big. It's but it's a big inchworm. Yeah, who cares? You might as well be fighting a giant ladybug. But yeah, a lot of people love the Mothra. I think they did much better with the Mothra when they brought it back in the 90s. I feel like that Mothra is you know, a little a, bit better. It's a pretty good matchup that you get Gira and Rodan. That's a pretty good you get all three of the biggest one, you know. Right. That's a pretty good matchup. You know what I read? I read that they said that when they did uh, War of the Gargantuas with Russ Tamblin, he was kind of a pain in the ass, and he wouldn't do the lines as written. So when they had to redub it for English, it kind of fucked him up because they said, well, now we don't even know how to match it. You weren't doing the right lines. you know. So, but they said Nick Adams was into it. They said he was on time. He was there. He had to be there. He didn't feel like he was slumming. They said he gave a percent. So that gives me a whole new angle on that, even though he looks dopey. Well, you know what? They said, they said he dug it. He was like glad to be there. He had to have the job. You know? That's kind of to my point. I discounted Nick Adams. And then when I watched it again, I go, you know what? He's pretty good in this. Like it's, it's not, you know, he's playing it yeah. fairly straight. Um, yeah. You know, he kind of got into yeah. the spirit of it. And I just yeah. love that the Japanese pilot and he just speak both their languages. It's like a Chewbacca and Han Solo. They just, they're both speaking their own respective languages and they understand each other like perfectly. It's like, oh yeah, cool. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah, there's, right. there's lots of thumbs up and then there's lots of that, the, all the guns in the Toho studio, whenever they shoot a gun. Yeah, exactly. They shoot the gun and it's got that really red barrel, like the barrel, the, for some reason Toho used in the, whatever they used in their guns, they're always super red. It looks like a cap gun. So I love that. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on, but I will tell you my favorite 
in the, in watch Invasion of Astro Monster at the very end when all three monsters are under control of the aliens and they're attacking the city. I told Brent this. My brother and I were cracking up. We always live for the missile launchers. We love to just see them like light skyrockets. Yeah. You can tell they're just launching skyrockets at the guys in the suits. And there's a missile launcher that pulls up. And for about five minutes, we kept thinking, oh, this guy's dead. He never gets killed. He just keeps launching at anyone who moves. <laughs> Rodan comes in, fire, you know, gets a barrage. Monster Zero comes in. He gets a barrage. He's <laughs> nailing Godzilla. It is the greatest thing ever. I'm like, give those guys a medal. They stood at their posts and they did what they needed to do. They didn't do it. Didn't do shit to the monsters, but it probably felt good. Just have your finger on the trigger. Just like, yeah, you know. You're right. They look so cool. You really want those. You go, God, if I could just keep one of those little rock launchers, right? Uh, my brother told me a short story, John. I think I told you this when when he was a kid. My brother's a little bit older than you. I think when when he was a kid. They would go to the Wardman and they would have kid matinees. It uh, would be like a cartoon, usually like Looney Tunes or something. And then it would be like a Three Stooges short. And then it was usually like a Godzilla movie. Uh-huh. And it was all little, you know, kids are like, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, right? But they would, parents would just drop them off. My brother said it looked like the, the, the theater scene in Gremlins, just kids running around, popcorn everywhere, you know, whatever. <laughs> But uh, he said whatever was a Godzilla movie and then like the toy tanks would roll out, just cheers all over the, <laughs> everybody would be yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he said he's like, those... or I always think of that scene at Wood when everyone's throwing popcorn and shit. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to make it up the aisle and everyone's just going back crazy. Yeah. He said it was exactly like the scene in Gremlins. He said it was just Imagine a bunch of kids in, in there. a theater for a kid's matinee. It must have just been hell, you know? Yeah, and I guess he said it was like two, it was a double feature sometimes. So by the time the second movie's done, they've been in there like five hours and they're just climbing the walls. So it's they're just... They're wired. Completely they're wired on milk heads and uh, red vines, yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, my brother said he caught a bunch of those, uh, you know, a matinee. So he loved it. That's so cool. <laughs> That's, That's where I get my love of Godzilla from was my brother. Hey, did you, did you or your brothers ever have the Aurora model, the the monster model? The no, my brother did Godzilla. build models, but he he uh it was he would always didn't build like Godzilla. airplanes and like battleships and stuff. Yeah, he, he didn't like do any like the monster. Early seventies, they did the uh, early six, late sixties, early seventies. They put a King Kong and a Godzilla model. And they had like glow in the dark heads. You know, Whoa. you could swap it out. You'd either have a regular head or a glow in the dark head. So, you know, the King Kong model, he's stomping on trees and stuff. And the Godzilla model, he's got a little city underneath his feet. And who among us doesn't enjoy a little glow in the dark head? How am I doing? Hey, how you hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> are you doing? Yeah, Godzilla minus one. By the time you hear this, it'll be gone. But you missed it, and you really should have gone to see it, because it was amazing. You should have. <laughs> what did you rank it, Brent? I think we read your review online. I, I gave it a 10, not a 10. There you go. I think that's... I gave it that. Yeah, I didn't give it a 10. Uh, I loved it. I, I, I enjoyed your review on Letterboxd, uh, Brent. That was Thank a good you. review. That's the only review I've put up on Letterboxd. I have one review. It's Godzilla minus one. I loved it so much. I had to open an account and write about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool. I'm no Brent. Brent is prolific on the letterboxed. 
Oh yeah, I'll be watching all kind of stuff. Brent, what is your I address didn't... on Letterbox in case the kids want to uh Home Video Hustle? <laughs> home video hustle at letterbox. I think it's I think it's like letterbox. I forget what their website is. Letterbox dot whatever slash home video hustle. Yeah. It's a good website. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I love it. I like it. How long has that been around? Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. I, I cut you off. How long has it been letterbox the site? It's not terribly long, I don't think. I just recently got into it, I think about like six, seven years ago, maybe. Yeah, they've been around. Things yeah. when I first heard about it. A little while. A good while. Less than 10 years, I think, for sure. Oh, John froze. Hey, there, John, John, do you have a fan Hello. or something in the background? Oh, I, should I turn that off? Is it loud? I just, I, Is it making I didn't things... Know if it was, uh, uh, I could hear that. I didn't know if it was that or if the mic was rubbing up against you or something. Oh, yeah. Okay, how's that sound? I turned the fan off. That sound way better right there. Yeah. Brett, okay. thank, you for the, we got- thank you for the engineering tip. I know it's just it's, it's in me now. <laughs> That's okay. So, so the first twenty minutes is going to be. No, you know why? Because when we when we talk, we kind of every the other people kind of drop back, so we'll, we'll be talking over that mostly. Yeah, like when you come in, you come in, and this. There you go. <laughs> it is that kind of weather outside. It's crazy outside. Yeah, right now. at least it finally stopped. Actually, it was crazy this morning. The weather outside is frightful. <laughs> Inside, it's so delightful. It's hard not to say. <laughs> the fire is so delightful. Brought some corn for popping. All right, what, what, that was Godzilla. That's a, movie, that's a that's a song. That's a song about making love by the by the fireplace, and of course, popping some popcorn. Of course, why? John, that would be John. <laughs> that would definitely be John. John would be like, I know it's like I brought a bottle of wine and of course some corns for popping. John, John is done. John, John is done. John rolls over and John says, "Hey, do you have any popcorn? Hey, where's the, is there a popcorn wagon close by?" <laughs> That's right. And the girls all, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" Yeah, that's a euphemism, right? Like, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want some it popcorn. If you baby. want it to be, I'll pop some corn. Hot butter popcorn, baby. That's right. Something popping in here, baby. Yay! How you doing? <laughs> yeah. Robert Klein did a he did a joke, a very 70s joke about Joe doing commercials for like Hamilton Beach popcorn popper. And he says, everything in this commercial is screaming sex. And so his his gag was he's all, you know, there's nothing I like more than a nice old pop, a nice piece of ass. <laughs> 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 I, had to, I had to reach way back into the 70s for that. Hey, it's true. Hey, that was it. Back when you could say a nice piece of ass. You can't say that no more, Mario. What? You can't. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. You I'm one of those bet. old guys that comments, oh, you can't do that anymore. Too bad you can't do that anymore. Right. 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 You know, that's become sort of a catchphrase now. You know, mm-hmm. you watch a group and you go, boy, you couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> I'm sure have you got a, you got Italian guys playing Indians. Boy, couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want well, to? When Iron when when Iron Cody passed away, and they said, you know, it was real and was like Frizzotti or something. It's yeah. like Frizzini. Like, no, this guy was Italian, but his whole life he got jobs as an Indian, right? <laughs> so, so, but what he he was the one that was the litter commercial where he's crying. 
and they say, boy, everybody, this guy looks 100% Indian, but this was an Italian guy. <laughs> Speaking of Italians playing Native Americans, thanks to Brent, I've really been making use of Tubi, the Tubi. Oh, I was like, what I do? Shout out to Tubi. You know how we're always talking about, on the podcast, we always, we bring this up sometimes, we talk about movies that are just, that are, like, you don't want to remake a good movie, right? Because that never right. was. You want to remake a movie that was almost, that was pretty good, but it just didn't quite get there. Like, you want to remake an average movie and make it better. Right. This is one movie, if I could, I would, I would want to remake this, but it's a movie called Red Sun with uh, Tashira Mifune and mm. Charles Bronson, and it's a Western, and uh, Charles Bronson actually very charming, and he kind of plays like the the, the rogue smartass in it, and it's, you know, fish out of water. They have to go across country to get this sword back for the emperor that gets stolen, and someone double-crossed Charles Bronson in, in it, and so Charles Bronson's out for revenge, and Tashir Mifune is out to get his sword back. And oh, okay. It's it's fun movie, fun, you know, you get to see Tashir Mifune kill, you know, a bunch of people with sword in the old West, you know, how would a samurai fare, that kind of thing. But it's always, it's just kind of one of those movies, it's, it's okay. It's not as good as you want it to be, but I'm like, damn, as the right people did this, this would be a great remake. Oh, okay. This would be a great I, I wonder if that's, uh, you've, been, you've been talking that movie up for a while now. I, I've got to get my hands on that movie. Because you you you've recommended this. This is like the second or third time you've recommended this movie. So download. I will, John. If this doesn't push you over the edge, you get to see Ursula Andress undress. So that should help you. They are (laughs) Ursula (laughs) Andress. What's this band? Does that help? I want to see. I've, I've been, I think I told you, I'm going back. I'm trying to catch all the old Charles Bronson movies that I missed when I was a kid because some of this made it over here. Or if it did, it just played the grindhouses and then it was on its way. So, you know, stuff like Death Wish and Mr. Majestic, that would make it to the Wardman, but not, not everything. So there's a couple he did in France. I picked up. I'll have to take up. Um, a great one that he did here that's kind of an underrated the, little movie is. Uh, Breakheart Pass. If you ever get a chance to see that, well, I heard uh, that one. Th- that's it. a western, but it's kind of a detective story, and he's actually really good in it. He's actually really good in it. That's the one where they're on a train, and there's a yes. I gotta see that. He has forgotten gems, things that just flew under the radar, like Hard Times. I think one have to go, and that's real good. And it made a lot of money. Oh, you're dropping out, John. Oh, great. <laughs> can you uh, can you move locations? Yeah, I suppose. Oh, boy. <laughs> this, John, this, you want me to just... this podcast is not about comfort. This podcast is about, I don't even know what that means. Pain. I don't know. Maybe I should just sign off. No, so no, So try another no. room. Sign another room or just unplug the mic, maybe. Where, how far are you from your router? I'm two inches from it. I'm I'm sitting in my bedroom. I'm two inches from the router. So if it's not working, it ain't going to work oh, anywhere now you're else. Good. No. Now you're good. All right. I see you sound well, right I just now. unplugged. I unplugged the mic and put it back in again. No, I think it's because you were, that, wherever you were, maybe you were next to a wall or something with lead in it. Mm, uh-huh. 
Well, what oh, does it sound like now? <laughs> You're perfect. Sound, sound your video is clear, too. I just unplugged the mic. I don't know how often I got to do that, but I no, just no, no, it's not the mic. mic. Your your video signal was dropping out, and now you're good. No, I don't have no idea. I have no idea. I am sitting right next to the router. So you are like, good. All you needed to do was get up and clear it. Oh, there it goes again. Well, how about now? Very sexual. Nothing, huh? You're good. Yeah, I don't know. You know what the problem is? I'm on. I'm on. It's the phone. I have to. I have to figure out how to do this without. Without the phone, I've been doing it on the phone for the last five years. Well, we got to get back. Find a we got to get, get back together. It's just my schedule now is just the worst, the absolute worst. So we'll figure well, it out. What's it sound listen, like now? We don't get. Listen, Sounds John. Good. Maybe I could just like. We don't get down around here. Right, we, turn not, the, we turn those frowns upside down. You know what I'm saying? We're nothing but positivity well, if, on this podcast. Well, you know? if it sounds like sh- if it sounds like shit, I should just bow out. Brent All used right, to. Brent used the- to post this video of me cracking a flaming whip in our uh, group chat yeah. and you know those days are behind me i'm nice now i'm mellow i let I it go it's a new year mm. it's a new year new me baby all right yeah all right all right i'm not gonna move the phone how's it sound now you look good sounds good yeah you're good. all right i'm just i'm not gonna move i guess i've just moved my hand so yeah yeah I just won't move the phone. I'll just keep it just where it's at. Well, I, you know what it is? You probably shouldn't be streaming Monica Bellucci videos in the background. Oh, that All right, let me turn that off. <laughs> All right, let me turn that off. Somebody at work mentioned Monica Bellucci yesterday. And they're like, man, that woman's beautiful. I'm like, oh, my God. I got to tell my friend John because he's going to flip. <laughs> because nobody talks about her because she's not a thing anymore. <laughs> not like Olivia Munn. somebody sent me a picture of her dressed up like princess leia in uh, return of the jedi Mm. and i forgot i was gonna say that to mario and say don't try to turn this into a thing (laughs) (laughs) i'm a bit of an asshole so your friend said monica bellucci and you went really i only know one other person who knows who the hell i said my buddy (laughs) i said my buddy john is gonna flip out that somebody mentioned monica bellucci yeah Oh, the nice thing is she will always be because of the matrix and that James Bond movie. She'll always be somewhere in the uh, pop culture ether. You right. Know? right. <laughs> Just like plenty O'Toole. Yeah. Jesus. I have friends that still send me pictures of Lana Wood and I can't think of anything else she did besides diamonds are forever. Did I don't even know if she had a career beyond that movie. You know? I don't know. She didn't plenty need to. O'Toole. She did not no. need to. But she sure took a lot of pictures <laughs> for somebody with one movie. There's a hell of a lot of pictures out there. Uh, Evidently, that's crazy. why you can. That, yeah, yeah. Right. you got to strike while the iron's hot, baby. Damn right. Mm, Lana. Uh, yeah, John Wood. Redson, download Tubi, T U B I, on your smartphone. And you know what? There yeah. are commercials, but Brent, you're absolutely right. There are commercials in it, but they, they, they run them about, I want to say, like, Every maybe thirty minutes, there it's pretty long yeah. in between, and they're like mm-hmm. it's 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 like a minute and a half maybe worth of commercials at max at max. So you have just mm-hmm. time to get up, go to the bathroom, or get up and get a drink. And now that they're commer- now that I'm watching movies with commercials again, I realized those breaks are there for a reason, dude. Like when I was a kid, you'd be like, "Hey, let me take a quick break," because I pause video anyway, even when I'm streaming it. I pause and get up and do stuff. But now you're kind of waiting. You're like, oh, you know what? I want something to drink, but I'm going to wait till the commercial break. 
And as soon as the commercial hits, I'll get up and get something. And by the time you sit down, the movie's already playing again. So, yep. And they have a bunch of old TV shows on there. A lot more like than used to. Oh, just tons of stuff, man. It's, you know, like uh, combat. I don't know. Oh, wow, man. That's old. That's, that's going back to like 65. I think. Let me see. Let me, let me, combat. Look, at, let me look, let me look real wow. quick. Wow. I haven't Dark seen Shack. combat since I was a, a little kid. Dark shadows too. Wow. Shadows. I'm trying. I'm just looking some, through the TV stuff. Some of that Stone. stuff I haven't seen since I was a little kid. Babylon five, Miami vice, the FBI. Uh, what else they got? Robocop, the series, they <laughs> watch airwolf. Airwolf, Johnny Quest. There you go, yeah. Johnny Quest. Brent, how do you feel about Johnny Quest? <laughs> I've never watched it before, to be honest. Check out one episode. It's worth it just for the credits. Even if you don't mm-hmm. dig it, the credits, the music on the credits, and the animation on the credits will be worth it. <laughs> okay. It's on too. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. You know what it was? It was James Bond for like 12-year-olds, you know? Oh, I can see that. Or more to the point, it was animated, but it was basically James Bond for nine-year-olds. There's more to the point. <laughs> you ever watch James Bond Jr.? Nah, what I was forgot that? about that show. It was a cartoon. It was like a kid version of James Bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> the video game sucks too. Even. Well, I guarantee you, this the, it's Johnny Quest is worth it. The music and the animation on the credits, it's worth it just to see that. Then, if you don't dig it, that's fine. But the credits is insane. Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Baywatch. Y'all show. G.I. Joe. What? I'm watching that, bro. Tubi. What? Mrs. Columbo. There you go. There you go, John. With and Columbo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, of all the dopey ideas, I can't even imagine what how that was decided upon. All right. He, we don't have Peter Falk anymore. How about we do this wife that he's always talking about that we've never seen? Steve Harvey <laughs> show. <laughs> And I love that Peter Falk was like, yeah, I'm not doing with that boost. <laughs> well, he, he had a nice run, but it's like, it's crazy. Oh, we'll do his wife. Well, what's the point of that? It's not like she's going to be smoking a cigar and wearing a raincoat. You know, right. like, <laughs> it'd be so great if she was had a, had the bad eye, you know, with the raincoat and the cigar. Oh, one love more it. thing. Uh, uh, just one more thing. Well, she's almost <laughs> got the that voice. <laughs> That's true. He could just this annoy is, uh, people into. Do you do you like Columbo, uh, Brent? I, I fucking love Columbo. That's one of my favorite shows to watch. You should watch. <laughs> uh, you should definitely give uh, Poker Face a try. Oh, it's on my w- watch list. I just haven't peeped it yet. It's it's very much a, a Columbo takeoff. Like very very much a Columbo. Okay. It's the real Mrs. Columbo <laughs> to the point where even the font look. Oh. It, it'll say Poker Face, and then on the bottom it'll be like copyright. 2020 in like the Roman numerals, oh, okay. like it's really cool that you're wow. like, oh, they're just so, doing Columbo now. Well, uh, somebody was really into it. That's a Ryan Johnson, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The director of the best Star Wars of the Disney trilogy. I said it. I agree. I would agree with that. When you watch them, that's the only one that you'd want to watch more than once. You know? right. Yeah, no, I highly agree. It's right. too bad they didn't kind of let him do what he was going to do. You know, they got scared. The fanboys made noise. God damn. Because that was really, that's the one that kind of worked, you know? Hey. Oh, well, what are you going to do? 
how y'all feel about that new news that came out there doing a the Mandalorian and Grogu movie that's going to be called Mandalorian and Grogu. Is that what it's <laughs> really? Called? I'm pretty a sure movie? that's the title. Yeah. Gee. Hmm. Hmm. Who's going to direct it? I think it's going to be either Favreau or a Filoni, one of the two. I don't know which. Well, you can't go wrong with those guys. Uh, uh, so somebody said, it's like, just let them have Star Wars. Just be done with it. <laughs> yeah, I got some friends that say that all the time. They say Filoni's like the only guy who still kind of knows what it was all about. <laughs> well, well, I wasn't real happy with the way Ahsoka ended, but I mean, what are you going to do? Was yeah. that Filoni? Yeah. Yeah, it was Filoni, yeah. Mm, I didn't see any of that. That ending was baloney, if you ask me. Hey, how you doing? Bars. It was... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't too thrilled with the ending, but I thought it was cool. I liked the show. Andor is still my favorite Star Wars TV show. I still need to watch that one. I haven't seen that. Check it out. That, Brent, I, check I, it I agree. Out. I agree, Mario. I agree. That was the best of the shows. Yeah. 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 It was good. Because uh, they kept up the quality all the way through it. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's a little gonna... more, it's a little slow, but it's not, it's not heavy on the action, but there's a lot of uh, moving parts and they move. You really get a glimpse into how the rebellion works and how much is really at stake. Which I thought, no, yeah, I know they're gonna do a that. second one. Yeah, they're gonna do one. They're shooting Andor now. I guess it just started mm-hmm. after the strike, and mm. it'll be out either late this year or early next year. Mm. You said Last Jedi was your favorite of the Disney trilogy. Is Rogue One your favorite of the overall Disney Star Wars movie? Probably like Andor. Probably, I'd probably say Rogue One then then Last Jedi. Yeah, okay, I'm I'll, I'll stand you. by this. Solo is not bad. I like Solo. I gave it an eight out of ten. I like it. I, I think. I think. I think bringing in, you know, you can't really imitate Harrison Ford. So I thought the guy that what's his name? I can never pronounce his name, but he did a. It's he, start with an A. He did a serviceable <laughs> job as Han Solo. I believed him being a young Solo. I thought Donald Glover being young Lando was that was, that was amazing. Fun. I wanted to see more movies with just young Lando and his droid. Like, give me those movies. Like, you know, if it had I, been a hit, they would have done more. Of right. Yeah, I thought it was great. And, you know, the, the problem was Disney got scared of the direction it was going in, and I, they changed it. So you can tell it's a little disjointed. But I thought his whole origin, you know, escaping, you know, how he, he gets away from the Empire, ends up with that band of thieves. I thought all that was really fun. I thought it was really cool. I and, you know, it. It, that's the operative word. It was fun. And a lot of these Star Wars movies these days aren't fun. No. You kind of forget that the first one was a hell of a lot of fun. And that's one thing you can say about Solo is it was fun, you know? Right. I liked uh, it. I liked it. I, I love Rogue One, but that, that's a tragedy beginning to, to end. I love it, but it's that is not, you know, it's not a it's not a barrel of monkeys, you know? Right. But Solo was just fun. It was kind of like a shoot 'em up like the like the original one was. Yeah, you know? and I liked the I liked the Chewbacca origin story. I like how they came together. I thought they really Yeah. I thought they had a lot of fun with it, and I wish they would have done more. But you know, I'm gonna. Yeah, I think solos. I think I like solo better than I like Rise of Skywalker. Is just a chunk of shit. Like that's just. I gotta, yeah. I gotta rewatch that because I liked it in the movie theater. I need to watch it again. Brent, I want you to rewatch it, and I want you to really <laughs> reevaluate it in your heart. It, you know what it is? Is that none of the plot points make any sense? You're watching it. Mm. It's not like it's poorly made, but you're going really. This is the way the story's going to end. It just it seems like it's just none of it makes any sense. I it's just like, thought what? it was weird. There was like Palpatine's like, I'm back, bitches. And it was like, we haven't mentioned you in two movies. 
And it's like, what has he got grandkids now or something? It's like, yeah. what? It's He's like, come his on. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like, who? You know, who slept with this guy even when he was a senator? You know, it's like, he was giving out forced babies, like, uh, like, uh, yeah, forced babies. Like, Is that uh, a thing? Like, that's how Annie's mom got pregnant. Oh, that's right. Immaculate that's conception. Right. Yeah. About that, right? Yeah. That's right. Can we ask you a question? If it's not too personal, were you a virgin? <laughs> yeah. What kind of question is that? Right. <laughs> We're going to. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been. Yeah. yeah. This is not like he gives them a little force lightning, but not enough to kill him. Just like, bzzz, and then they're boom. Next thing you know, mm. it's like, a, like a hand buzzer. <laughs> you, you know, the explanation is probably in a book somewhere that we got to read. Yeah, you know, and you like know that a it has something, to... and then they're pregnant. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and you know it has something to do with midi calorians. You know how I got her pregnant? Midi calorians. Midi calorians sounds like something you want to avoid. Like it'd be like new Coke Zero now with less midi calorians. You know, right? Exactly. <laughs> Doesn't sound like something you want. No, it's like something like COVID vaccine. Right. <laughs> Are you COVIDed up? Watch your midichlorian count. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't get beyond that. We're going to give him a blood test. Yep. He's the chosen one. Yep. Why? Yeah. With a with blood test, I'm going to tell you. And I love it. The... He just has the gear to give the blood test. Like Jedi just carry like lab equipment. Like, I know. Somebody should have Somebody should have said you had that in your utility belt. Yeah. It's just like, like, I got this. The, right. You had that in your Jedi utility belt. What the hell well, is that? I guess that? if you they're out go... recruiting, right? They're like, let me check your midichlorians. Boop. Okay. You're in. You're in. Yeah. But what people forget, so, let's get let's put on our nerd glasses. And Brent, you're a little young, not to exclude you, but back when I was a kid, and John, I'm sure you were a little bit older than me, but between Star Wars and Empire, we had no idea who could use the Force, right? Because Obi Wan just said it's out there, right? Yeah, the right. Force makes so we figured anybody could use the Force, anybody could have it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we didn't even know, John. Do you remember what a revelation it was? when Luke was able to pick up the lightsaber in the, in the ice cave, like he, yeah. made, like, like now we just take it for granted. They can move shit, but you didn't know that between the first and the second movie. Right. So, you know, right. the force has always been kind of like nebulous. Right. So making it literal with the midichlorians was just the worst because it's like, well, now there's, there's literal people who are chosen to be Jedi. Like not everybody, it kind of took the fun out of it. Like, I thought just maybe like, hey, you could use the force if you work. Hey, if you work hard and you do good in school and you're a good person, you too can use the force. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, it's like it takes all the all the all the fun and the mystical qualities out of it. Yeah, that's the thing that just got me. You're gonna you're gonna take his uh, do a blood test. It just takes all the fun out of it. Uh, right. Because before that, it's more like a King Arthur, like a wizard, sort of like can teach you how to <laughs> do the right gotta do and that's the thing that you figure if you met somebody like obi-wan they could sort of like train you how to do it you know right like mm -hmm. like like a discipline like you know like master poe teaches kane you know right how to right, do all exactly. the, the kung fu right. stuff you know great kung fu reference there john great kung fu reference love it they're bringing that back too do you see that are they again I'm, I'm pretty sure as donnie yen is attached to it oh no donnie yen martial arts master Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's gonna be hype. <laughs> Love it. John uh Brent, do you watch The Warrior on uh I think it's on Showtime, I, but it's on Max now. Yeah, I've never looked at it, but I do know about it though. It's worth checking out. It's fun. Okay. It's basically what 
Bruce Lee wrote that they ripped off for Kung Fu. Really? Yeah. Okay. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Hi. Yeah, yeah. It was the original idea for for Kung Fu that Bruce Lee wrote. And then, no you know, he, I guess he went, he took it around Hollywood and no, everybody passed on it. And then somebody kind of stole the idea. Right. That sounds about right. Yeah. But it's, it takes place in like 18, 1880s San Francisco. So there's like a lot of like political corruption. And he comes over to like keep an eye on his sister. And then it's a whole thing. It's cool. It's really cool. That's what I have to check it out. Yeah. I think it's on my watch list too. I just haven't yeah. watched it yet. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, it's not, it's one of those shows where it's like, you know, it's 1880s, like San Francisco, but then everybody looks like they're right at, they're, they're like in a, in a Jay-Z video. You're just like, what? <laughs> you <know? laughs> you're just like, oh, okay, well, but it works for the style of the show, what they're going for. If you're looking for period authenticity, probably not your show, but if you just want to see someone whoop ass, it's fun. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. You know, all the, all the people in like the, all the gangsters at the time, you're like, whoa, this is not period appropriate apparel, but <laughs> I'll take it, you know? Uh, you know, in, in Gladiator, I had a moment like that when me and Anita were watching it, because there's a part where, when he initially got picked up by the dude and they were first going out to the arenas and there's a guy with like spiky hair. I was like, what the hell is he doing there? Oh, the punk yeah. rap dude? Yeah, he gets killed yeah. like right out of the gate too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. And he's like the first one to die, I think. It's like, but what was that all about? It's like, did anybody have that haircut back in the uh, Roman days? You know? I was like, who got the moose and shit? Yeah. <laughs> it, was it looked flea like, from, like, uh, was like flea. Yeah, he was <laughs> flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers dies first. The guy with the sock on his penis was the first guy yeah. to die. Yeah. <laughs> He gave it, away, gave, give it away, away, give it away, give it away, give it away now. now. First, yeah. Give it away, give it away. <laughs> he died a brutal death too. Yeah, he died a brutal death. Yeah, that was gross. I would mm. I would not I did not blame the guy that pees himself because if you had me chained up and I come out into the sunlight and I see guys wearing those freaky masks, I'm probably gonna freak out too. And they're like ten times my size. Uh, that's crazy. I think that lent some authenticity that there's going to be a guy yeah. who's just all like, I'm a dead man. You know, it's just like, right. You know, they're not all going to be badasses. Somebody's going to be like, what the fuck? What did I do to get here? You know? <laughs> right. Right. It's good shit. I love it. All right. Let's talk about, let's talk about gladiator. Really? While we have, while we have Brent on the line, Brent, hey. Brent, Brent gave us his letterbox. His letterbox uh, review, but let me let me read the uh, let me read the synopses. Gladiator. It had a box office. Oh, I don't want to say that. It had a budget of one hundred and three million. It was directed by Ridley oh. Scott. Seventy nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, eight point five on IMDb, starring Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, Connie Nielsen. <laughs> Oliver Reed and Richard Harris. And it says, let me read the, uh, according to IMDb. Oh, it's not giving me the, sorry. Here we go. Should have had this booted up. A former Roman general sets out to exact revenge against the corrupt emperor who murdered his family and sent him into slavery. So with a budget of 105 million, 103 million, Brent, what do you say the box office was on this? Uh, let's go. Let's go five hundred. I know it made a lot of money. Five hundred, John. What do you say? Yeah, I think this thing was a big hit. I'll say four hundred. 
Ooh, if you would have played the Price is Right game, you would have hit it, John. It is $503 million. Oh, shit. Half a billion dollars, baby. Wow. That's great. One half of one billion. Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role was the... uh, And Best Picture, right? Did it win Best best Picture? Picture. I think so, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, that was on the DVD boxes all the time, yeah. You had the DVD box, but you never watched it? No, I just would see it in a video store all the time. DJ loves this movie too. Does he? he about it. Yeah, he loves anything that's like historical, like this and like Troy and Alexander. He loves all that. Oh, all the historical epics. Mm-hmm. I got. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Lie. I'm not gonna lie. Anytime there's sandals in it, unless it's a samurai, I'm kind of out. That's exactly what I told Anita about these movies. I'm like, I've never been a big fan of these style of movies. There's a few I like. But most of the time, if I'm watching somebody fight with swords, it's katanas. <laughs> Did you like uh, Spartacus? Do you ever see Spartacus? I I like I I own the Kubrick one. I like that, but I also do like there was a Spartacus series on Stars back in the day. I oh, love that yeah. TV show. I have yeah. every season of that. John, you're right. Yeah, won five that. Academy Awards: Best Picture, Best Actor for Crow, Best Visual Effects, Best Sound, and Best Costume Design. <laughs> you know, before this movie. It had, they used to call them sword and sandals, you know, and yeah. it had been a, I think it had been a while. It it was kind of like considered sort of like a genre, like, like the Western. It kind of like it had, they'd had its time, but you didn't really see many of those. And I think when they announced it, they said, really, you're going to do another one of these, but it was such a smash hit. And God, <laughs> you know, by the time it's winning Academy Awards, you're like, well, I guess Ridley Scott knew what he was doing. Right. And all those other ones came after yeah, because I think it had really been a while. Uh, if you look, I bet you it had been a while since anybody had even attempted yeah, one. Yeah, Troy, Alexander, all of those came afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can you get Americans to care about that stuff? You can't get me to care. <laughs> well, if you put enough action in it. I like Russell Crowe, too. I know that he's not everybody's cup of tea. And I think he did a good job. Uh, he complained that that the script was pretty crappy. He signed up for it, but he said they weren't done with the script. He said they were shooting. They only had like, he said they had about 30 d- pages of script when they started shooting. I can say he improvised <laughs> a lot of stuff. And one of those things where he cut lines that he thought were kind of, he said some of it was just garbage. So you can tell that uh, it's one of those things where he doesn't say much. And he probably thought that's for the best. You know, it's the old uh, Steve McQueen's thing. It's like, let's cut some lines out. <laughs> I'm better yeah. off if I'm saying, or like Clint Eastwood, let's just make it like I'm saying less. It works better if I'm saying less. I think when he did uh, Where Eagles Dare, he said, we can lose a lot of this. It's I'm more effective if I'm not talking. Right. You know? Just machine <laughs> so, gunning nazis. So I think with Russell Crowe, I think he had the right idea. It's all behind the eyes. And it's better if he's not saying much because he said the script was just, he says it was just awful. John, you saw this in theaters. What was your initial impression? I I loved it. I loved it. I wasn't expecting much because I don't particularly, I don't know if I'd seen anything like that since Spartacus, which I probably saw on TV as a kid, you know, wasn't particularly caring about, you know, ancient Rome or anything like that. But uh, I thought it was a lot of, I'm a Ridley Scott fan. I thought, well, he's got the action Mm -hmm. and I thought everything looks pretty cool. You know, that's, that's like 2000. Was it 2000? So you're figuring a lot of the, I know that he used a lot of CGI for like the uh, crowd scenes, you know, and it looks pretty good. I think it still looks fairly good for, well, for CGI. Smart is they use it sparingly. So like you see like one full shot of the Coliseum, right? Yeah. 
Because that was the thing. So it that whole thing in, with the, the aerial shot of the Coliseum, that was obviously... Keeps it, but it keeps know. it to a minimum, which is a smart thing to do. And, you know, however they did it, those look like real tigers. You know, I don't know. They're, it's probably like another piece of film, but, I mean, those looked like real tigers. Those did not look like CG? I don't no, think no, no. So. I don't know if they were or not, but they sure look. They sure look real. Those do not look like CGI tigers, you know. Oh, okay. I so I don't know crazy. if they're real or not, but they, you know, a lot of that's quick. He did a lot of quick cutting, so who knows? Mm-hmm. That could be tigers, or you could just be and... doing like a forced perspective where you're filming it from the other side, and it looks like they're right next to each other, and they're not. But yeah. it works. All the stuff in the in the ring looks. Everything at the Coliseum looks good. It looks like it's really happening. So however they did it, I just thought it felt real. And all that intrigue stuff, that does sort of, I I do get sucked into that when there's all this sort of palace intrigue, you know, which has been done a million times going back to Shakespeare, all that, you know, if you sit through any version of Julius Caesar, it's all like what's going on with the politics of it, but they make you care because it, it, the kids, you know, the thing that really pulls you in is the kid, you know, what the hell is he going to do to this kid? You know, he's gotta, he's gotta finish this guy off just to save the kid. You know, mm-hmm. his, I think it's dying breath. He's all Lucius is safe. And she's all, yes, Lucius is safe. And you're going, yeah, because he lost his, he, you know, his son was murdered. So, you know, part of the reason he's doing this is to keep the kids safe, you know, not to mention to save, to save Rome, <laughs> you know, Right. I, do you feel like uh, maybe some of that palace intrigue is what bored you, Brent? Oh, most definitely. I didn't give a damn about most of that stuff. <laughs> honestly, honestly, that's the stuff that lost me this time. Like, I did yeah, not yeah. care about Gracchus and all that. I didn't. <laughs> Gracchus. I didn't, I didn't care about any of that. Like, and also, uh, it's just because Joaquin Phoenix's character is so unlikable. And you end up, well, the, you end up spending a, <laughs> you end up spending a lot of time with him, and you're like, dude, this guy's just an a hole. Like, get back, yeah. get me back to the, you know, I, I, it, it wasn't a particularly, not to say river, river or not river, jeez, not to say Joaquin Phoenix wasn't good, but it was just the character was so unlikable that the more time you have to spend with him, and the more time you're keep you you're taking away from Russell Crowe, I, I started to feel resentment towards the movie of like get me back to be with this dude like i want to see his story was much more interesting to me you know yeah i think it was just a matter to show you what was at stake you know this guy is such a piece of shit that i mean it's going to be bad for everybody if he's not stopped so i'm glad that at the end he fought even though it's kind of a cool. I thought it was a cool finale because he does get it, even though Russell Crowe's been drugged and can barely make it through. I love that he finally, you know, skewers this guy right. before he keels over. Before he keels over, right. I thought that was a pretty satisfying ending. You know, no, it was I good. I think I you. Like I it, think man. you already knew he was bad enough when he killed his dad, and yeah. then they just started. They just kept laying it on thicker and thicker. It's yeah. like you know what I mean. Yeah. So I didn't like it as much. It wasn't enough. It felt it felt like he got off too easy. He got choked out with the knife in his throat. I was like, nah, that should have seen some guts. Somebody got cut in half earlier. He should have cut him in half too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he needed to have a t- have, that one guy. 
that one guy gets yeah he gets a Darth Maul treatment he gets yeah, yeah. sliced right at the waist yeah have a have a tiger come out and just start eating him alive like that kind of stuff something like the way he acted that whole movie how much of an asshole he was he needed to go out horribly he got it all kind of <laughs> in my opinion you needed to die I was honestly disappointed because I when I didn't really think that was how I was going in with them fighting so I was like okay he gonna fuck dude up and then he just hit him with the thing you just hear the little and I'm like oh that's it. I'm like, man, I'd have been shaking the shit out of that dude on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you would have given him American me style, just got him right, like just like right. Mm-hmm. At, yeah. Oh yeah. We did get. To, oh, it was that American meat where they put the, the blade up dude's butt and like ripped it out or something. <laughs> it's either that or it's either that or blood in, blood out. It's one of those two. It's one of them two. Like, yeah, no, he'd have got like the worst things you can think of if I was the maximum. <laughs> yeah. Well, he you was know, Maximus uh, the Merciful. Yeah, that's, screw that. that's the way i felt <laughs> sometimes with game of thrones i felt that way you yeah, know like yeah. when joffrey got it you're like nah, i don't want him to just choke to death <laughs> i want him to Back. really like get beheaded or something you know? well the most satisfying thing about joffrey's death was later on when diana rick's like i wanted you to know it was me like that was the best part of that that was that was the yeah. best part that was some cold shit to say to somebody before <laughs> I, I did that shit homie <laughs> the best the, be- the best one was what's his name getting eaten alive by the dog that was the best his own yes. his own dogs and she's mm-hmm. just like well <laughs> they're pretty hungry they're loyal but they're pretty hungry <laughs> <laughs> i loved it yeah there was uh there were some brutal deaths in this movie this movie is brutal but at the same time yeah you're right you do kind of hope he gets beheaded or some kind of something happens you know crushed or somehow russell crowe pulls out like a chainsaw and just goes to work on him you know something i was telling john it's almost like action blue balls in this movie at the same time though because there's times where they somebody gearing up to like maybe chop a head off or do something i'm like oh here we go and then it like cuts away and i'm like damn it (laughs) yeah because there's directors that would have just followed through you'd see the head coming off and all that right like this is gladiator And uh, but I tell you, those battle scenes that they liked at the beginning, I thought were pretty heavy duty. I was thinking back to like Excalibur. Uh, the last time it looks that real where you're just like in the mud and the snow and just sort of like slugging it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought this is almost like gla- like uh, Excalibur. Uh, did where you it forget looks like, a little like movie you called Braveheart, John? <laughs> yeah, I liked Braveheart, too. Yeah. But that to me, that would have been the same. That would have been the one most recent. That's true. That's true. That would have been, be- yeah, that's right. That would have been more recent than Excalibur. I don't know. I guess I'm a sucker for that stuff. I know, I know people that just don't care about that historical stuff. I guess I'm kind of a sucker for it if it's done well, you know, getting pulled into that, that world, but you can overdo it on the politics. It's kind of like star Wars. There's a fine yeah. line. That's why some of those star Wars movies don't work. You're like, geez, you know, like Phantom Menace. You're like, God, I feel like the whole movie was spent in the Senate for Christ's sake. Right. I don't, I don't <laughs> care about what's going on in the Senate. Let's get out on Tatooine again. You know? Right. Gracchus. Yeah. Give me so that. there's a fine line. It's interesting, but you don't want it to be the whole goddamn movie. Gracchus you know? Binks. Gracchus. What I love is it's Derek Jacoby. Who's been in a million of those. I mean, wasn't he the, the main guy in I Claudius? I think so. I mean, he's like, that was like a, you know, 24 part thing on PBS. So when he puts on the toga, he's probably like, here we go again. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, are you ready, Mr. Jacoby? He's all, yeah, I invented this shit. <laughs> he was also the, he was also the master in the, in the latest run of Doctor Who with, well, one of, not the latest, but in like the early 2000s run of Doctor Who, he was the master. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. 
He's one of the all-time greats. I don't know if he's still alive, but I mean, he's one of those guys, one of those Shakespeare guys that uh, you just can't do any better. Right. I, mm-hmm. I wonder if he is still alive. If he is, he, he's like Ian McKellen. He's probably like 90 or something, you know? And he always looks a little bit of, to me like another actor. Like I can never figure out who he looks like, but he always kind of reminds me of like Ray Walston or somebody. Oh, yeah. No, he's well, still you know alive. Turns up in, what's that? He's still alive. 85 years old. Yeah, you know, he's one of these guys that still turns up in things. He's kind of like Ian McShane and and Ian McKellen and uh, Patrick Stewart, you know, when they need an old-timer that can do that sort of royal Shakespeare stuff. As a matter of fact, I think Patrick Stewart turned up in I, Claudius, too. So a lot of these guys, you know, they've been at it for a while. They're all these old, you know, royal Shakespeare guys. Well, you know what I thought was cool was seeing Oliver Reed. This was Oliver Reed's last movie. And I thought yeah. he was pretty damn good at it. He's one of the best parts, honestly, in my opinion. That's a great character. And, you know, he died before the movie was finished. So I think what they had to do, there's a couple scenes where they had to get a body double and kind of like digitize the face. But you can't tell. You know, and I guess they'd shot enough that they could they could do it. I love the whole thing at the end, you know, with the wooden with the wooden sword and all that. Right. Mm -hmm. Also, I love the way he gets him on board. He's all, you know, the man that set you free, you know, was murdered. You know, he murdered the man who set you free. Right. And you're like, son of a bitch. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to make all the difference to him, you know. Right. Because I love that he's just all. I'm an entertainer, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, you, with you, it's all about honor me. I'm an entertainer. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like something like Sinatra or somebody would say like, Hey, look, I'm just a singer. I love, look, it. this is just, this is just skating with the stars, right? You know, this is all. So you think you can dance. So you think you can fight. That's right. Love it. All right, Brent. So you were unimpressed, Brent. What was the hardest for you to, what, what, what made it difficult or what, Action blue balls. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be a new term. That'll be a new term uh, now. And then too much, uh, too much CGI, or not too much, too much palace intrigue. What else? Oh, I, could, I couldn't hear you a little bit. There's like an echo or something going on. Is that me or you? Or me? <laughs> okay, whatever it was, it just went away. That was me. I plugged. How about now? Oh, there you go. Oh, you sound way better. Yeah. I can got say that one more time, Mario. I said, what was it? What was it for you? It was action blue balls. Too much palace intrigue. What else? What else gave it, kept you from getting into it? You know, the thing is, and I wrote it in my letterbox review. I can't really say it's a bad movie. I don't really have a lot to complain about because acting was on point. I like the filmmaking, cinematography and all that. It's the damn plot. I just never gave a damn. Right. <laughs> Honestly, like that's the biggest thing. Cause it's like me and Anita say it. Like Anita says this all the time. Like when we did, I showed her Superfly. And she's like, yo, it was a decent movie, but I never got into the characters. And right. I'm kind of the same way. If I can't get behind the plot, and it's almost three damn hours. So it's like three hour movie with me not giving a damn about anything going on, really. Right. Except for the battle scenes. I do. The battle scenes are the best part. But then at the same time, even with that stuff that I do, like there's the parts where it's like, damn it, man, why'd you cut away? Damn <laughs> it, man. Why didn't you shank him like three more times? You know, it was, it was like little, even the stuff I liked, there was little things about it that was like, yeah, but honestly, that's the, probably the biggest thing. That's why when he said this thing about Russell Crowe saying that the script sucked, I was like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> you can tell that this was made on the fly or something because it, I think it still is still yeah. together. I think some scenes they actually were 
kind of coming up with the dialogue on the day they shot it, you know. So and it feels like it. <laughs> I think yeah. you bring up a good point, Brett. There's a lot of movies that are well made. They're not shitty movies. It's not stuff that's gonna turn up on Mystery Science Theater. They're right. well made, they're competently directed, they star good people, but I just have zero interest in them. Exactly. There's a, I mean, there's actors like that for me. Like you could talk to me about Richard Gere all day long, all day long. I you cannot sell me on spending two hours watching a Richard Gere movie. I don't think I watched one before, honestly. <laughs> you know, because he it's funny. He really does, he seems like it's rare that you find an A-list actor who's who's just that bad an actor. I just don't think he's a very good actor. And it's amazing that mm. he's like he was on the A-list for so many years. I just always felt like he just wasn't a good actor, you know, period. Right. You know, and it's kind of to get into that league, you have to have a certain level of competence. And I always thought he must have been like a model or something because he just doesn't seem like he's got the chops, you know. Maybe, maybe, what have I seen him in accidentally that he's in? Pretty Woman. Officer and a Gentleman. Officer and Gentleman and Chicago, I think, are the three that I've seen. Mm, He always seems like he's just sleepwalking through the movie. I don't know what his background is, but it never seems like he really is much of an actor, you know? Also, any any legal drama, uh, like I'm 50-50 on legal dramas. Like if you give me a a movie with like, if it's Richard Gere and he's a lawyer, forget it. The Lincoln Lawyer with Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey, no interest. The Pelican Brief, yep. don't care. Like just stuff you ever like see the that. verdict? You ever see the verdict with Paul Newman? Because that, that works. I liked. You know why? It's Sidney Lamette. So you know that every mm-hmm. line of that script right. was Since was crafted. Writing. It was all crafted. There's nobody saying, oh, we'll make it up on the day of the shoot. Right. <laughs> you know, it's all it's completely sweated over every night, you know. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Not to say that there's not good movies with like good courtroom scenes and stuff, but like a lot of that stuff, I'm just like, you know, I don't care about. Uh, I agree. Right it's there with be, you. It's got to be compelling. You're right. A lot of you know that why? stuff just leaves me cold. You know why? Leave it. I want to just see the courtroom case. I don't want to see the struggle that the lawyer's going to. I don't want to see his personal bullshit. I don't yeah. care. Just give me those yeah. scenes. Give me like a smart ass judge, like an old character actor back there. Like, mm-hmm. like, give me like. Give me like a, what's his name, Charles Durning or somebody as the judge, yeah, and then right or Milo know? O'Shea or something, yeah. yeah, and then give me like you know a Gene Hackman as one of the lawyers and and uh, you know like or something, you know what I mean, like, and then give me Crimson Tide with Gene Hackman and 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 Denzel, but put it in a courtroom and I'll watch it. You ever you see? Know- you ever see Inherit the Wind with Spencer Tracy yes. and Frederick March, and the the, the judge is Harry Morgan. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and that that works because right. it's it's what you just said. It's all in court and it's all it's all tactics. It's right. all they're both smart. Yeah. You know, they're they're both smart asses. You know? That I like. But if I don't want to see like I don't want to see 20 minutes of of, you know, whatever the rainmaker or whatever. And it's just like all this other stuff that happens outside of the case, unless it's my cousin Vinny. Then I'm okay. Mm. The, the John, I don't know what it is, but the John Grisham stuff just leaves me cold. I don't know. Maybe the books, maybe they work better as books, but those movies always leave me cold. I never care like I should care. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the plotting or the acting or the directing, but I always think maybe these read better than they they play as movies, but right. I just cannot get interested in those John Grisham things. And, and you know, we're, you and I diverge here, John, but I get real bored of like anything in like, you know, if, if it's King Arthur or Robin Hood, I'm just like, no, I'm out. 
I don't know if it's good. I'm a sucker for it. If it's bad, it's painful because not only is it bad, but they're running around in armor, you know, but, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. if, but if it's good, it'll get me, you know, something like Excalibur that will really keep me interested. But uh, a lot of times the problem is they're trying to make it like modern. The last couple of times they tried to do a King Arthur or a Robin Hood, they made it real modern. You know, like, you know, like a, with a, with a, with a hip hop soundtrack and people are wearing jeans whoa, and boots whoa, and you're going, whoa, whoa. you know, John hip hop yeah. to anything makes it good. I'm just saying, you know, there's no point in that, you know, if you want to update it, then make it 1999, but don't, don't put that, don't superimpose that over Robin Hood. It's never right. going to work. You right, know? Right, right. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. yeah I, well, John, what are there movies that you'll avoid because of the subject matter? I don't, I don't know. Oh Yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of legal stuff that leaves me cold. And like, mm-hmm. also like, you know, stuff with doctors, you know, I, I can never <laughs> get into that, you know, and like even all those TV shows like St. Elsewhere and ER. Uh, what, what, what was the big one? ER. I could never get into that. Stuff. I just never really cared. Yeah. Uh, people really just go nuts over that stuff. I just couldn't care. Mash. Couldn't care less. <laughs> yeah. Mash. I, mash like I love. <laughs> see, love John, I threw, see, I love threw a bonus. Yeah. See, I threw a, I threw a, a boomerang at you through the mask. Yeah, because when you think about it, those really don't operate as medical shows, you know? No, <laughs> those are more about surgery. the war. Yeah, meatball surgery. That's more about the war and what's happening between the surgeries, you know? If I have to hear Hawkeye say it's meatball surgery one more time, I'm going to... That's a drinking <laughs> game. That's a drinking game. You take a drink every time he says that, yeah, yeah. you know? What about... Uh, there's got to be a medical show you like. What about Quincy? Yes, because I like Jack Klugman. And, you know, that's, the, you know, I could care less about all the It's funny, stuff. you will make exceptions. I do the same I thing. I will make exceptions, yeah. Like, I, I like I never cared about all the, uh, well, I, mean, I guess most shows now are forensics. It's kind of funny that Quincy was way ahead of the curve. Right. Because now all shows, like Bones and CSI, all that stuff, it was all, it's all about forensics. Oh, there's and a I drinking game. If you can make it through, every time you nod off because of, the D Chanel, I forgot her name, but oh god, she's Zoe. so boring. Oh, uh, it's her sister. It's not Zoe. It's her sister. Oh, I forgot. Her. It's another. It's another D Chanel. <laughs> yeah, God, she is just void of any kind of. And I guess that's the character, but boy, that is oh the boy, character, yeah, that makes it tough. It's tough because it's supposed to be this big romance between her and uh, what's his name, the guy that played Angel, David Boreans. That's supposed to be this like smoldering romance, and they both look like they're just sort of like sleepwalking through it. I just right. don't get it. Right. Brad, uh, what do you avoid? What where's some stuff you avoid? Honestly, it's funny because um usually I avoid movies like Gladiator, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it took me 24 years to watch it. <laughs> funny was, you should ask because <laughs> hey, we proved you right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your instincts but are not, correct. But it's the same thing like you guys are talking about, though. Like I I don't really like a lot of like pop shows in general, but there are some that I like. I don't like a lot of medical shows, but it's just like I was going to say with the courtroom dramas, I was trying to think. And in my opinion, the best courtroom drama that I've seen doesn't even take place in the motherfucking courtroom. It takes place with the jurors and it's 12 angry men. I love that. Yes. Mm. Yes. And it never even shows the courtroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, it never leaves the room that they're in. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's Sidney Lumet. And the, that's a genius movie. I think it's his first movie. And that's great. The, and it's the thing is like, how do you make that interesting? You got 12 sweaty guys that never leave the room. And how do you, how do you cut that so that it's interesting? But he did it. He stages that. So every shot is, 
you know, every line means something, you know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. John is um, Klugman in the original. Yeah. Uh, yes, I believe so. I think he's in the movie. All those guys, Jack Warden. I think it's Klugman, Jack Warden. Because I remember e. on, Marshall. The, on the odd couple TV show, they did a spoof of it. Remember? Where, yeah. I'm where, pretty sure he's the guy that's trying to get out for the ball game. Yeah. And Felix is keeping the everybody there. Felix is keeping yeah. everybody there on the TV show. And Every comedy leave. has done a play on that. Even All in the Family had one where Edith was the holdout. And then it turns out she's right. You know, Archie's going out of his mind and it turns out she was right that this kid didn't do it. And she was the lone holdout. She just didn't believe he did it. And he's all that dingbat. And then she, it turns out she's on the news because she was, it turns out that the real killer confessed and that she was the one that saved his life. <laughs> so every, everyone's done a play on that. The Henry Fonda bit, you know, here's what would have been. Let's go back to gladiator. Let's bring it back around. Brent, do you think it would have been better had Ridley Scott, if there was a question as to whether at the end of the movie as to whether or not Russell Crowe was an android, and also what if there was a voiceover <laughs> like they don't advertise for gladiators? That's me, ex general. You know what I mean? Like, would you have liked that? Would that have made it better? Ten out of ten, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Reed could have been like. I've seen things you can't believe. Slave ships on fire off the coast of Macedonia. <laughs> does Macedonia you know who have a have, coast? Uh, you know who would have been good in this? I, I think Russell Crowe does a good job. I some No, he was great. Think, he was good. There's in some it. people that don't particularly like him. I, I've liked him since L.A. Confidential. That's L.A. Confidential is the one that put him on the map for me. Now, Virtuosity? <laughs> I don't know if I've seen Virtuosity. What was you that? Should, you, you should have watched that. He virtuosity? A, like a Virtuosity. I think he's like a v, uh, VR serial killer and Denzel has to stop him. That's right. Like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, really? dude. I forgot about that movie. Is that before LA Confidential? I think it's 95. I think it is. Wow. How about that? I forgot about that movie. That movie's Should I check it out? Mm-hmm. All oh right. yeah, but it's it's not great. I'll say that. It's like, it's a fun no, you know, movie. But- yeah, it doesn't have to be great. I just want to see it. I don't know. I He's been good in a lot of different movies. People think he's kind of like a one-trick pony, but you think about, like, he was in The Insider. Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw that. It was a Michael Mann picture nah. about... And, you know, he's just playing this guy that works at, at a... You know, he's the guy that blows the whistle on the tobacco companies. And mm. I think he put on a little weight. He's just a pencil pusher, you know, glasses and a, you know, short sleeve shirt. But he's really good in that because you really buy it. You know, this guy, his oh, whole okay. life is just ru- He blows the whistle and his whole life is just ruined. Al Pacino's in that. I, he's mm. playing the guy that's the... uh the producer at 60 minutes just goes to show you Michael Mann can make it interesting. This it's kind of like all the president's men. You just got to like a lot of people on telephones and on the typewriter. And and it's just like, it doesn't seem like there's much going on and they're able to up the, up the drama just because of what's at stake. You know, Mm -hmm. I love, I forgot about virtuosity. I just watched for the first time. I watched the equalizer and uh, with with Denzel. Oh, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you how you do not know how hard I related to his character when he was cleaning his New Balance tennis shoes with a toothbrush. I was like, <laughs> I get this character. I understand everything about this man. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed that. I thought that was really good. And he was good in it. Always. I mean, like Denzel, like Denzel's one of those guys. And Russell Crowe, I've never, I like, I don't want to see every Russell Crowe movie, but whenever I see him in something, he's always good. I've never seen him turn in a bad performance. 
Hey, how about beautiful mind? You know, that's about as oh. far from, that's as far from gladiator as you can get. You well, know, what about master and commander? Like that's another one. Yes, mm. like, I know. And see, that's something that I would normally say. I don't give a shit about, you know, uh, somebody's, you know, a, you know, a, you're sailing on a ship in the 1700s. I really don't care about that stuff, but that was a good movie. Get out of know? here. Errol. You love Errol Flynn. Get out of here. Well, not everything is Cap- <laughs> Captain Blood and Seawolf is one thing, but beyond that, there's been so many rotten versions of Mutiny on the Bounty. You know, it's just like it's you, kind of tough. Captain's you know, if it's Courageous, not, uh, you love it. You love Captain's Courageous. Yeah, I love that one because it's Spencer Tracy, man. Twenty thousand um, leagues under the sea. You love it. You love it. Yeah, you've <laughs> naming some ones I love. I do love uh, Captain Blood. It's tough to beat. They do not make them like that anymore. You know, that's like real ships, real, you know, that's like real sword fighting. I don't know. By the way, I just watched this top yeah. 10. I think it's Cinna. One of the one of the things I listen, I watched Cineflix, Cinna something. They do like all these top 10 lists. They did their top 10 movie scores. And number one was Captain Blood by Alexander Korngold. It was their number one pick. Hmm. Top movie scores of all time. Wolfgang Kornblatt? Kornblatt? What did I say? I Alexander? I thought up? it was Alexander. Anyway, yeah. So that was the number one. That's a, that's amazing. Yeah. They said because he only did like 19 scores and they're all amazing. So they give him they give him the top. You know, all those guys were out of Europe. There, Most of those guys that were doing scores for Hollywood in the 30s and 40s, they were like one step ahead of the Nazis. They just right. barely got out with their, and right. they, most of them wanted to do some of those guys like Max Steiner and those guys, they wanted, they thought they were going to end up doing like operas and stuff. And they get to Hollywood with just like the shirt on their back. And they're like, okay, if I'm going to write this sort of stuff, I guess it's going to be for the movies. You know? Right. Yeah. And that's how you get, that's how you get all that great stuff. Na, Franz Waxman. Na, uh, na, 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 yeah. Na, na. All right. Real quick. <laughs> Before we give the ranks, right. oh well, let's rank it in case Brent has to leave, and then uh, I have something to tell you <laughs> along those lines of nautical movies. So, Brent, what is your score for? I'm gonna keep my review I gave earlier. I'm gonna give it a five. Five, John. You say it holds up? It holds up. I give it an eight. An eight. So Patrick wanted us to know he gives it an eleven. This is Pat, one of Patrick's favorite movies. Anita, I believe. Let me see. I think it was a six. She said she can't break away today, but she's giving it a six out of 10. She's being loyal to the home video hustle. And you know what? I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> you liked it more than I did. I was surprised by that. I was just laughing because the whole movie, she just kept looking at me. She was like, is that Gerard Butler? I'm like, no, that's Russell Crowe. She asked me that like twice, I think. <laughs> oh, they, <laughs> do sure? look, they do kind of look alike, don't they? Yeah. They, yeah. I, wish, I didn't never thought about it until she said that. I was like, damn, I can see how you can confuse. <laughs> it did not hold up for me, but I still enjoyed it. It was still, there were some parts where I was like, okay, get through it. But I enjoyed yeah. the spectacle of it. I enjoyed the violence. I enjoyed the attention to detail, the period detail. I like Ridley Scott movies. I like him as a director. I don't know why the chariots were exploding, but I didn't mean to think about that. <laughs> I, I I don't and understand why somebody they were... somebody somebody should have said, you know, there's no these are not gasoline powered right. chariots. I, I don't understand why they were exploding like that, and not just breaking apart. I'm gonna give it a seven. I'm gonna give it a seven. But John, speaking of nautical movies, I was going to throw 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in there. I dig it. But I just saw on Turner Classic, I recorded it on the DVR, the original Mysterious Island from 1929 with Lionel Barrymore. 
Mm. Holy shit. I had never seen that. And apparently it was shot as a silent. And in the interim, the jazz singer was released. So they had to go back and add some special. They added some, they added a musical score, some sound effects, and then some scenes with dialogue, but still kept like large portions of it silent. Hey, I didn't know that that, I thought that was a lost film. No, it so is the, nuts. The 19, you got it. I think it might be on demand. So see if uh, they have it on demand. But I'm gonna have to check that. If you out. get a chance, um, see it. The underwater scenes are really unsettling because they're these weird little creatures that live in the ocean, and they're really, really weird. They look like amphibious uh, gremlins, right? Kind of. Yeah, they're really weird looking. You know, it's one of those movies that. Famous Monsters magazine used to always show you these great pictures and they'd say, this is a lost film. You know, here's these little amphibioids walking around the bottom of the ocean and here's the ship and here's the island and here's all this stuff. And you'd go, gee, I wish that wasn't a lost film. So TCM has got it, huh? Yeah. Here's an alligator with a horn strapped to it. So it looks like a dragon. Gee. Yeah. All right. Wow. And Lionel Barrymore too, huh? Yeah. And there's also like one scene where he's talking and you can tell... He still hasn't gotten the stage performance out of him yet. And he's doing a lot of things where he's just, everything's very like a lot of movement of hands and stuff like that. And you're and just he's like, a young man. Yeah. He's a young man. He's a young and you man. Straight from the stage. Right. They're all stage actors. The Barrymore's I believe when you see, when you see him young, you can't believe that's the guy that's in a wheelchair in key Largo. Right. Or, <laughs> and you, or you can't believe he's the guy, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Potter going, eh, underdog, you once called me a right, miserable. Right, man. right, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's a younger dude and uh, some pretty good special uh, effects for the time. Pretty good. Uh, I was impressed. So if you can dig it up geez. and find it, it's on Turner. Okay. It's in the rotation. Next time it comes up, I'll let you know. Boy, I'm glad you said that because I always assumed that was a lost film. Wow. Well, and it is a direct point. sequel to 20,000 Leagues. Oh, okay. It's Jules Verne, isn't it? Right, right, right. Although yeah, here, Captain hey, Nemo is known by his real name, which is Count Dakar, I think. Now, they they remade Mysterious Island, didn't they? Wasn't that like a uh, Ray Harryhausen? Ray, Hall Ray Harryhausen was the one where they were escaping from the Civil War. And th that's the one where they're like in the beehive or right. like a giant giant lobster chasing them or a giant, giant chicken crab. Yeah. How about that? God, I'm going to I'm gonna have to look for that. How about that? 19 so that's early talky then 1929 you say or 1930 yeah, it was, it, again it was shot silently and then they the jazz singer was released so they go let's go back and they shoehorned in some kind of some of the talking scenes and then some special some sound effects and like a score well turner classics has been running some great silent stuff lately and a lot of it has been like early warner brothers early vitaphone and sometimes all you're getting is music and sound effects. There's no dialogue. It's just right. music and sound effects. And they'll have like a crowd scene and you'll hear music. There's one I should send you because it's like some, some hot jazz bands from the twenties playing. And they said, if you want to hear what the real jazz sounded like back in the day, this is it. And you have to have to send you a link to that. Cause they just ran one, which is a lot of flappers and guys drinking at a speakeasy and, the soundtrack on the disc was this, these old jazz bands, you know, from like 29, whoever was playing back then, I guess the era would have been like what the hot fives and all that. Stuff. Right. Yeah. Hot fives, hot sevens. Sure. See, well, see, you got, that's why Turner has to survive. I'm glad that it's survived so far. I guess whatever intrigue was going on, it's, they survived it. Cause it looked, it didn't look good about a year ago. It looked like you, 
they were going to do this big shakeup at the top. And I guess Scorsese and Spielberg and a bunch of other heavy hitters said, look, whatever you do, don't just run this into the garbage disposal. Hey, we look need at that. the station. Hey, look at that. Hey, that's great. Wow. God, that is so weird. <laughs> God, that's so weird. Okay, Mario. Boy, I'm sure glad you told me about that. So films are still being discovered. Films that they thought were long gone. Look at this guy. Are still being discovered. Jesus, that's weird. So wait, is that a puppet or a midget? Or I think it it's a, a little a person in there. A little person in a suit. Jeez, that's crazy. Yeah. The crazy thing is at one point, somebody's like, they're fighting in their their big suits. And they one of them pokes the other one in the face. And the blood spills out in the water. And then the title card says, warm blood. The cold creature, the creatures from the cold depth had never experienced anything like it. And then they all swarm the guy. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I've, I'm going to find that. The mysterious yeah. island, bro. Check it out. All right. That's it. That's our show this week. What a great show. Was there anything else? Is there anything we're missing pop culture wise? Yeah. Oh, I meant to tell you, Mario, I know you talked about it on an older episode and I Talk checked about it, it out, but that movie, The Black Cat from 1941. Yes. Oh, you watched it? I did. I left a letterbox review for it. I actually watched it when I was uh, sick. I was on Spinguli played it, so I watched it on there. How'd you like it? I gave it a six. <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot of fun, huh? Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of a comedy. It's it's really more of a comedy than a thriller, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I liked it. I can't remember the actor's name anymore, but it was the good dude. He was dropping the one-liners, and every time he did, he'd be like, Whoo! That's, uh, he, that's Hugh Herbert. Thanks, that guy that drives my, my, my drives my brother crazy. He says, I cannot tune in if that, that hoo-hoo guy is. <laughs> <laughs> he's in, in the 30s, he's in a million movies, and that's his trademark. He'd do that thing with his with his hands and go, <laughs> It's one of those a typical actor that Mario would go, what is the appeal of a Hugh Herbert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? what, what is it's like who is the guy we we El Brendel? What's the movie? El Brendel, yeah. What is the Just name imagine. of that movie? Just imagine, yeah. Oh, you got to see that movie, Brent. Never heard of that one. Oh, it's awful. Hey, wh- what did you think of that whole thing with the crematorium for the cats and the big statue of the cats and all that stuff? And did you recognize like Basil Rathbone, you know, and Oh, yeah, for sure. Broderick Crawford and all those guys? Jeez. Yeah, it was, it was it's a lot of fun. so many people all in that movie, like a little B picture or something like that. They're all acting like it's an A picture. That's one cool thing that's always cool about a lot of older movies. Even when they know it's something cheap, they still go for it. Oh, hell yeah. Well, what's crazy is that Basil Rathbone is not playing it like he's slumming. He's playing no. it as an A picture. Mm-hmm. And He's doing that like in between Sherlock Holmes movies. And it's just like, he's probably like, God, what a turd, but he's just not going to, he's not going to phone it in. You're all pros, baby. <laughs> I think they made a joke. Didn't they call him Sherlock? I think at one they point. Sure did. Yeah. What do they yeah. call him? Broderick Crawford goes, what does this guy think he is? Sherlock Holmes? You know? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. And it's really such a dopey little B movie, but I, I, I always thought it was a lot of fun. You know, yeah, it's fun. Even the, well, even the Sherlock Holmes movies at that time were really dopey, but but Basil Rathbone plays them very well. He plays them really straight, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once they go to Universal, it's so funny that drop in quality. The first tour with 20th Century Fox, when they go to Universal, the drop in quality is immediate. Right, <laughs> right. It's like you're like you're like, oh gee, the sets don't look as good, and they're kind of playing it like it's you know, they're fighting the Nazis. 
Exactly. That was Universal's idea because they didn't want to have to spend money on the gas lights and the cobblestones. <laughs> you know, it's like 20th Century Fox are going, well, we've got to use our old turn of the you know, 1800 set. And Universal's all, no, no, no. Let's just make them fight the Nazis. Right. <laughs> all we, then all we got to do is just shoot it out on the streets, you know? Right. I'm going to check out your review on uh, Letterboxd. I'm really glad you saw that, Brent. For yeah, real. Oh, uh, I love when Brent, I love, it's always a nice surprise because the the letter the stuff that Brent watches on Letterbox is very different than the stuff he watches for the home video hustle. Yeah. So it's always <laughs> kind of cool to read his reviews and go, oh, I wonder what Brent thought of this. Or like he'll pull a movie out and I go, oh, he watched that. Oh, okay. You know? I, I watched another one too. After after I watched that one, I watched the one called The Invisible Ray from 1936. Hey, what'd you think of that one? I hate to say I, I didn't like that one a whole lot, honestly. It felt like it took forever to get going. <laughs> But I love that Karloff glows in the dark. He actually that glows was, in the dark. That was funny. He, he turned a lot. He looked at his hand. He's like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> and and Lugosi, Lugosi's got some great lines. Like, you know, yeah. if he touches you, if he touches you, you die. <laughs> Everything he touches dies. <laughs> he was the best part of the movie, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, is that, where he cool plays, is that where he plays Karloff's sidekick? That's the one. That's the one. Whenever they play that, I go, sidekick? Karloff, <laughs> sidekick, fuck you. <laughs> Boy, you feel sorry for his wife in that one. It's like, here you are in the yeah. middle of the jungle with this beautiful woman. And he's like, oh, I got to get back into the uranium mine and see. <laughs> I got to get back in there and, you know, check out my meteor. You know, it's like, come on, dude. <laughs> you got I was this laughing. hot wife. <laughs> when Buddy was the little young dude and I was laughing at him because the, the younger guy gets introduced and they're like, he's immediately plotting on this dude's wife from the moment uh, seen her. <laughs> I know. And he's one of those useless guys, you know, like yeah. the first one that's the first one that's going to get it. He's like, Oh my darling, you know, we, we come away with me and we'll be together forever. <laughs> and you're like, this is the first guy Karloff should get with the Ray. You know? I wish he had. Honestly, <laughs> I love how he's like exploding the, the statues on, uh, of the cathedral <laughs> he's like melting these stone statues it's like what's that all about you know <laughs> first i kill you then i melt the statue you know yeah it's kind that's of dopey. So that's that's the end of an era that's the last that's the last universal horror picture under the lemley regime after that the production code kicked in and you don't see them like that anymore there's a look to those movies that yeah. you don't see after the invisible ray but you're right it's a little pokey not much happens there's a lot of mm. you know a lot of talk and not a lot of action but i love at the end when he finally they turn out the lights he's glowing in the dark like <laughs> well, we can catch this guy because he's the only guy at the party that's going to be glowing in the dark you know <laughs> <laughs> the end i will say the last like 20 minutes is probably the best part of the whole movie yeah, when his his own mom said, "That's enough of that," you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I love these all. Down. I love these all. Well, goodbye, and he just jumps out the window and explodes. Yeah, right. <laughs> just evaporates. Well, I guess you're right, mom. See ya. <laughs> is that really what happens? <laughs> That's how it is. Yeah. Of course, Karloff doesn't say it like that. He doesn't say, "Well, no. see ya." <laughs> Peace. He it's had, almost he like, like some piles, and she just broke them, and she was like, "Nah, you're done now." <laughs> yeah, like Lugosi gives him this little packet of vials. It's the only thing that keeps him from dying. He glows in the dark, but if he doesn't take this little drug every day, he'll just like, he'll incinerate. He'll just go up in mm -hmm. flames. And so he's all, oops, I'm starting to smoke. It's time to, time to drink one of these vials. And she's like, no, son, this, that's enough. She whips out her cane and busts all the vials. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. And he's all, he's all, I guess you're right. Well, 
goodbye and out he out jumps the out the window and just explodes into flames <laughs> it's almost like they ran out of film they're like oh you know what we got 30 seconds to wrap this movie up you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like ultraman I, I can only be big for 60 seconds and that's it and then i'm done and then i fly off <laughs> yeah so I, bread's checking out all the old universal stuff even if it's uh even if it's like a B movie, he's checking it out. I love that stuff. It's just hard to find because a lot of it's not. Yeah, straight. I watched. Uh, what did I? I told you, John. I watched the what was the the cat creep. The cat creeps. Uh, yeah, I had never seen oh. that one until until Mario turned me onto that. I'd never seen that one, and that was like a Don't that was like a that was like a C movie. <laughs> the only interesting thing was it was uh, Rockford's dad from the Rockford Files as a young man. That was the only. And he was the best thing in it. <laughs> You know, he, it's funny. You think, boy, he's the best actor in this whole movie. He's right. the lead. Noah Berry Jr. is the lead. He's, no, he's not. <laughs> he's the, uh, he's the sidekick. Right. But he's actually more interesting than the lead. Oh, guy. for sure. For sure. I can't even remember the lead guy at all, but you do, you do remember Noah Berry. <laughs> it's the same skinny reporter type from like the house of wax. Right. He's the poor man's <laughs> Ted Healy or, or yeah. Mystery at the wax the, museum or whatever. Yeah, the poor man's Lee Tracy. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> There's a ton of those guys. movies out there, guys, and they're all on Tubi. So check it out. Yeah, how about that? Today's episode brought to you by Tubi. It, they're not all on there, but there's a lot of stuff on there. There's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of stuff on there where you're just like, Tubi just goes up. You know what Tubi is? Tubi's the equivalent of the dude that just goes to the Walmart bin and just picks it up, like just lowers a crane into it, and then whatever he's got. He's got a, that's going in the collection. There's no yes, just was, was Invisible Ray on Tubi. I watched that on Spinguli. Oh, okay. All right. I yeah, I watched Spinguli. The only thing that drives me crazy about Spinguli is that he'll take an hour movie and pad it with his shtick yeah. into a two mm. a, two and a half hours. So sometimes I tune in, but sometimes I go, you know, I've got this on on dvd i don't know if i want to sit through an hour and a half of shtick you know mm -hmm. yeah, that's what mystery science theater is all about yeah but that's they're true. funny <laughs> they're funny <laughs> it's not that funny you know uh what about joe bob briggs that's my that's my dude i love that show yeah i gotta check that out i used to read his stuff you know he had a column and i i've never seen his show i'll have to check out his he's show he's really good he's like the huel hauser of horror movies it's amazing he's still around because he was writing reviews back in the eighties. You know, yeah. he's just got a very aw shucks, <laughs> right? It, it's good. Uh, he's got yeah, a good I persona guess. for it. It's because it's he's very unassuming. So you're just like you know, and and he's kind of he's kind of digging the movies too. So it's kind of yeah. Cool. I'll have mm -hmm. to check that out. Yeah. How do you find his stuff? What's he on? It's, it's on an app called Shutter. Okay, I'll check that out. Yeah, he used to put out like collections of his columns and stuff, you know. The Joe he also Bob had Briggs, a show you know? for a while. What was it on USA, Brent? It was on TNT Monster Vision. That's right. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That's where I first got hit to him. He had a show before that, too, on the movie channel back in the day. Whatever happened to the movie channel? I think it got absorbed into something else. I don't know if it was Showtime or not, but something. Let's I think see. he bought it out. The movie channel. Yeah, Whatever I don't know. Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground, I think, ran into financial issues. Where's Cage now? Oh, you said Brian Cage? Yeah. He's in AEW. Where's Where's my man Prince Puma? He's in WWE. His name is Ricochet now. Is it really? Yeah. He does all the same stuff, just doesn't work, man. 
I just started watching uh, all the old uh, WrestleManias on uh, on Peacock. Yeah, some good ones in there. Not all of them are great. There's a lot of good. My, I saw. I forgot that. Uh, I forgot my man Junkyard Dog was in WrestleMania one, fighting somebody really oh. cheap. I forgot who it was. I was like, they, no, they couldn't have given him something better. That's <laughs> the first one. We got to figure it out. That man never got his due. He never got his due. Yeah. He had oh, I just, what was up? I'm a dash y'all. You know they're making Gladiator two, and it's supposed to be coming out this year, right? Yeah, I read that, and you know Denzel's going to be in it. Yeah, I guess the only two people from the original are going to be Connie Nielsen, and there's somebody else. There's two people from the original. I just saw her. I didn't see another one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do a sequel. Uh, I looked at the plot, and it said it's going to it's going to be about the son growing up and doing something. So it's all about the kid, yeah. Oh yeah, Derek. I don't know. Derek Jacoby is in it, and Connie Nielsen. Yep. Yeah, I. You know, you'd think that that's something that Ridley Scott wouldn't care about. You know, he doesn't care about sequels so much. That's why he wasn't really into doing Alien sequels until recently. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. He wanted to be. I guess he was in on the Blade Runner sequel. I guess there was originally he was supposed to direct that, and he just was spreading himself too thin. But I thought that turned out all right, considering he didn't direct it. Pedro Pascal is in it. He's the flavor of the month, that Pedro Pascal. He's in everything now. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. I missed Napoleon, the latest Ridley Scott. I kind of missed that. It kind of was see around. Again? Don't care. And I'll tell you what I did catch. I caught the new Michael Mann Ferrari, and that was pretty damn good. Was it as good as Ford versus Ferrari? No. That was uh, that was amazing. I don't, I'll tell you. And I don't particularly care about car racing movies, you know, like um, Le Mans and Grand Prix and all that stuff. I've never cared about that stuff. But Ford versus Ferrari was really, really well done. Yeah. I can't even remember who directed that. Oh, that was uh 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 James Mangold. Ah, there you go. Who directed the second to worst Logan. Indiana Jones movie. But he also directed Logan. So, you know, what the hell? <laughs> Logan was great. Right. I cut him a lot of slack because I think Logan was just about just about my favorite movie, whatever year that was. It was just about my favorite. Uh, Logan or Godzilla Minus One. The 310 Yuma. When I yeah, I think that was him. And I think he also did the Johnny Cash movie that walked the line. Mm. John Logan or uh, Godzilla minus one. Oh, hell that talk about apples and oranges. <laughs> I, I refuse. I refuse. I love, I love them both. Logan or Godzilla minus one. Oh, me? I refuse. No, they're both for me. They're both tens. Uh, that's who your, wins that's though? Good, that, that's good enough. Oh, you mean if they fight? Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, I don't know. I guess Godzilla wins. They can both. Godzilla re- wins. They both Godzilla can regenerate. Logan would regenerate, but in Logan, he's kind of like old man Logan, so he's not regenerating too well. That was a good one. It was. My God, that is well done. I'll tell you, just about the best, you know, and, you know, because they, he got to do whatever he wanted. I think the thing was, he said, okay, you got to let me make this an R and I'm going to, you got to let me just do it any which way I want. You can't tell me that I can't have this because it's, it's Wolverine. I think that's why it worked. He just went with it, you know? That's another movie where they re-released in black and white, too. Did That's they? right. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Gee, what was the point of that? 
<laughs> I don't get I don't get how that would play any differently. They Logan was put out in black and white. You didn't know that? Huh. I, yeah. That's interesting. You should have seen it. It was pretty good. Did you see it? Yes. Did you guys see it? Huh. I, I, I never saw the black and white. John, huh. give me a quick plug and unplug. A quick plug and unplug? Yeah. That's dirty. On your on your mic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there you go. How's that? Perfect. How how long has it been shitty? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? That's, though? The thing that, that's why you always make fun of me for getting angry. I get angry because of half the show sounds like it's it's underwater. Like but here's my the mic thing, John. Here's the thing. Nobody listens, so it's fine. It's fine. Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, it is so fine. Don't even worry about it's it. It's so funny. You know, sometimes people, uh, I'll tell them about the show, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, how many people you think tune in?" Like, I have no idea. I don't either. <laughs> John, this show isn't you, about the numbers. This show is about whether or not we're having a good time. Because you used to have kind of like years ago, you had sort of like a rough idea. I still and do. You have, you, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I still do, and I don't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> i can tell I you it's it. in the dozens I still do it's Is in it the dozens yeah yeah we have to give out shout outs uh we haven't shouted anybody out in a long time shout out to the lily pot shout out to besotted geek shout out to history of bad ideas shout out to i'm blanking shout out to every everything i learned from movies shout out to uh, what why can't i think of nathan and brendan show what were they thinking? Oh, shout out to what were they thinking? Why could I not pull that? <laughs> you weren't thinking. Sh- yeah, what was I thinking? <laughs> shout out to uh, Kung Fu Driving. What happened to Kung Fu Driving? He still does his interviewing. He gets he actually talks to a lot of big like like martial artists and stuff now. Is it still on yeah. Kung Fu Driving? Yeah, it's still on there. I gotta find him. Jeff, good old Jeff. <laughs> Shout out to Colt 45. Shout out to all the all the old homies. We all still here for the most part. Shout out to Home Video Hustle. Yes, sir. Still here. <laughs> shout out to Sci-Fi Drive-In. That's right. Getting some oh, they love. changed their name to what is the name? I forget what they changed their name to. Shout out to uh, our our Kiwi friends. Oh, high expectations. Yes. Jazlyn and Ellen. Shout out to everybody. We're shouting everybody out. I love that. I love that. <laughs> shout out. Shout out to everybody. Yeah. God shout bless out to all everyone. the other podcasts. Anybody that supports this show, we you know, we hey. appreciate all the retweets, the love, the downloads, the questions, the comments, the concerns. We appreciate it all. But shout out most of all to just to just the crew. We don't, you know, yeah, for putting up with my, you know. BS. I shouldn't BS? drink when I podcast. This is what happens. Uh, are you getting kind of weepy now? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I love it. I love it. Not at all. Uh, I'm are pumped about. Of, getting, uh, you're kind of a sentimental fellow, aren't you? We can We got to talk about. Luckily, we didn't get into the T Swifts, the T Swift controversy. You know that hey, could be that could be the key to the whole election. <laughs> no, I was gonna. I was just gonna That's tell you, John. T Swift, not my cup of tea. Uh, but well, she swings the election. But <laughs> she yeah, can swing she, the exactly. election. <laughs> if they vote like they go see the movie, Trump's finished. 
Yes. I mean, I'll, I'll be a fan. I could care less right now, but if, if she swings it and saves, saves the, the nation, I'll be a, firmly a fan. Believe right. me. She'll be the hero, bro. If she rescues democracy, I will definitely be a fan of, of all things. <laughs> I could, of all the I could people care less about it. her music, but yeah, I'll get the, you know, I'll, I'll get the, uh, the thermos. If she, the the lunchbox, thermos. If she... <laughs> <laughs> of all the it's crazy, it's crazy. Well, that's the kind, you know, that's, that's the thing about watching gladiator, you know, where they talk about, you know, mob rule and, you know, Rome, it's like, look what it's become. You're like, yep, this feels pretty, pretty on the money. Right. (laughs) What Rome once was, you know, an idea. I love that line. It was an idea, Mm -hmm. an idea. It's like, yep. And it's like, look at it now, you know, mob rule, just a bunch of knuckleheads, you know, throwing bread and circuses. Yeah. uh, And it's like bread. What was that line? Is that bread and circuses? circuses, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, also the name of a Star Trek episode. There you go. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking this movie would play very well right now as far as what's going on in the country. Right. You've got some some crazy emperor up on top of the roof, you know, playing the fiddle while the whole thing burns. <laughs> let me let me tell you, man. Let me tell you, this is my connection. That's why it took me years to get into the original Star Trek, because Star Trek was like a, such a low budget movie. Every planet they went to, they looked like Greeks or Romans because it was cheap. And they had sure, the costumes. A toga. Yeah, you just get a toga from uh, Western Union. Yeah, from Western costuming. Yeah. Yeah. So I was always bored with Star Trek because it was like, <laughs> where's the pew pew? They're not going to go. To the, why does everything look like what, you know, why, why does everything look like it was 5 BC? You know what I mean? Like, because they, and, and everything's got caught. Not only are they all wearing togas, but every planet has got like these random columns like roman columns yeah aeolian know? columns and so yeah yeah. you're just like what why? and they're on a sound stage it's obvious that they're on a sound stage with some colored lights and fog machines yeah yeah but what the hell you know it's the scripts you know the gorn should be enough to just say okay is this just lost in space but the scripts are what do it you know right 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 all right that's it guys we're gonna because brent and i will go on and on and then we add john to the mix we could go on all day guys well, the minute that, you know how this works, Brent starts talking about the invisible <laughs> ray and the black cat. And you're like, oh, do we have another hour to talk about this stuff? <laughs> do we have another talk, wonder, hour to talk about Val Luton? Can we talk about him, please? You, Is nobody talking about Val Luton? We doing, that, would, that would be two hours. That would be a whole show on Val Luton. <laughs> Is nobody and talking spend, about Ida, Lup- Ida Lupino anymore? Yeah. What was that Ida Lupino movie that I found on? I watched it. Was it on Criterion? Oh, they just ran one with Howard Duff, which is she ended up marrying Howard Duff. Uh, what was that? There was some film noir on the other night. I think it might have been on MeTV. And now I know that Brent watches MeTV because if he was watching Sven Gulli, he must be watching MeTV. <laughs> yeah, I got that channel now. Finally, I got that Philo cable, whatever it's called. So they do they do their version of the uh, film noir every night. They do like a film noir like a couple of movies that are just, you know, they'll do like two, three hours of film noir. And you end up seeing a lot of stuff that for some reason doesn't end up on Turner. Turner does their film noir hour, but they, I guess there's some studios they don't have, you know? So between Turner and MeTV. Yeah. Cause a lot of that stuff, like a lot of the RKO stuff turns up on uh, Turner but there's some some movie companies that went out of business, and the, some of the stuff is public domain, didn't get copyrighted. You know, studios like there's one studio called Eagle Lion. <laughs> you just go, wow, that's a weird name for a studio, Eagle Lion. Never heard of that one. 
or Lion Eagle. And so, you know, I don't know who ended up inheriting their movies, but you'll see some film noir. You'll go, hey, this is pretty cool. But what studio is this? You know, <laughs> it's like some poverty row studio. Yeah, like all that Lugosi mm-hmm. stuff, all the monogram stuff, you know, Voodoo Man and Ape Woman and all that stuff. And you're like, yeah, got to be monogram. <laughs> you know, if there's some woman turning into an ape or some guy with a voodoo mask, it's got to be monogram. <laughs> what was the name of this movie? Should have been that slogan on there. It's got to be monogram. Yeah, what's the what's the old joke? Miracle Studios. If it's a hit, it's got to be a miracle. If it's a good movie, <laughs> if it's go. good, it's a miracle. That's it. If it's a good, it's a miracle. Yeah. I think they even use that in Singing in the Rain. That's an old joke, but I think Singing in the Rain, it's the same thing. You know, Miracle <laughs> Pictures presents. If you lo- if you if you love Ida Lupino, please watch her in Food of the Gods. <laughs> what? Or how about the Devil's Rain? <laughs> Seeing that one. Uh, John, there's a great little great little B picture called Out of the Fog. Yep, no, it's not it. Out of the Fog. That's not the one I'm thinking of. There uh, is a good one, in, Out of the Fog. Into the Fog? <laughs> Out of the Fog is good. It's with Uncle Billy and John Garcia. <laughs> yeah, hmm. it's a good one. But uh, there's a movie I want you to watch called Moontide with Ida Lupino. Fritz Lang? It's uh, Jean. Yes, yeah, Fritz Lang. Uh, Jean Gabin, French actor. Oh, Brent okay. had to leave. I'll check it out. Very, I'm trying very to catch up. Shot on a soundstage. Yeah. Supposed to be, you know, out by the docks somewhere. But boy, really, really great photography. Really good photography in it. Is that a thing where like he's living he's living in a shanty right. on the right on the pier? Right. I think I have seen that. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. And that's, he, he didn't do too many American movies, right? I think he was stranded because of the war. Yeah, I think I have seen that. The whole thing looks really, like everything looks really run down, like the bar and right. the, yeah. the place they live. It all looks like it just put together with two by fours and, right. and drywall. Yeah. Right, right. I'll have to check that out again. I don't think I knew that was Fritz Lang. It's a good one. <laughs> Yeah. He was uncredited somehow, so I don't know what the deal was Oh, there you go. There you go. I think it was like Archie Mayo got the call, so he might have been fired or something. But you can tell from the moodiness of the photography that it's, you know, obviously there was a master at at work there. Isn't that funny when you find out later, there's a lot of movies like that where it's like started by Howard Hawks and then he gets kicked off and somebody else takes over and you go, okay, I get that. Like all the scenes in the bar look like it's Howard Hawks, but everything else looks like it's somebody else. Well, that's what they said about, that's what they always say about the thing that Howard Hawks was really the one pulling all the strings. Yeah. 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 You know, but uh, who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, he produced, they said, look, for all practical purposes, he's on the set. He produced, he helped with the script. He used to say, no, it really is this, uh, what's his name? Christian, Christian Nibi, Nibi. You know, you see him in a million TV shows. I guess he really was a director, but you look at his filmography, the thing is pretty much it, but he was a protege of Howard Hawks. So they say, well, he did it, but you got a guy that learned at the feet of Howard Hawks. So it's going to look like a a Howard Hawks production, you know? Well, hey, John. <laughs> you know how to press my buttons, you know? Hey, I'm going to head out. Love you, man. <laughs> You're like, all right, I've had my fill. No, I got to wrap out. it up. I, I really do. But it was fun. It was a good show. Thank you to Brent for popping in. Yeah. I'm glad we got to have him on the show. Check out his video 
podcast. No, check out his podcast, Home Video Hustle. You can find him on X, formerly Twitter, at HVH Podcast. All right, at HVH Podcast. Capital H, capital V, capital H, capital P, lowercase, oddcast. You can check us out at Soup Complex, capital S-O-U-P, capital C-O-M-P-L-E-X, on X, and Facebook. John, how are you enjoying those jazz tracks of the day? We're doing jazz tracks of the day. If you're not oh, familiar, we're doing them man. on, uh, we have a Spotify playlist up. You can just look up Superiority Complex on Spotify, and I am adding to the tracks. It's, uh, I think it's under, I think it says Jazz 360 is the name of the playlist, but I'm adding a new jazz track every day for the year. It's pure gold. 31 tracks pre- so far. Uh, it's, it's pure gold. I Everything you've sent has been wonderful, and thank you for taking the time, because for me, you have to actually send a link on my text, because right. I'm not on I'm not on Twitter or X. Is but, it a pain uh, in the ass? No, because I, it's, I do it for the love. Everything has been great. Some of it I know, but a lot of it I don't know. Like that Art Blakey was incredible. I had never heard Art Blakey before. That was just amazing. You had never heard Moaning by, by Art Blakey? If I had, I didn't know it was Art Blakey. When I say that, I probably heard him, but I didn't know it was him. I do not have the uh, encyclopedic knowledge of jazz that you do. But, here, but here's, John, you're bringing up a great point. You're bringing up a great point. I watched a guy on YouTube today, and he did his favorite jazz albums. And he really went out of his way, and they were good. They were all solid picks. But he really went out of his way to not pick things like, you know, Giant Steps by John Coltrane or, you know, Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. You know, just things that are kind of like, you know, it'd be like if, you know, it'd be like not picking the Beatles' White Album or the Rolling Stones' Let It Bleed, you know, like you're trying to pick a top 10 rock album without, you know, you know, pet sounds or something, you know. So he really went out of his way and he really came up with a great list of, you know, and there were still a lot of people you expect to find on the list. You know, there was still John Coltrane, still Miles Davis, Thelonious Monk, like all that stuff, but he really went out of his way. And what I'm doing is I'm kind of doing the opposite where I'm doing like a mix and I have a whole year. That's the advantage I have is I have a year and I'm doing it track by track. So I'm trying to pick stuff that I, not only do I like, but I want to pick stuff that doesn't go too over the heads of somebody who's maybe just getting into the genre. But also I want to be able to appeal to people who like jazz, but don't necessarily, you know, you, there's no way you're ever going to hear it all. So I try to, if you notice, I've tried to balance it out with stuff that's a little harder to find. And then stuff like, you know, for me, Art Monin by Art Blakey is a standard, but see, you've never heard it. So I have to keep that in mind, you know? I think you're doing a real healthy mix of classics like Take Five and then stuff that is sort of like off the beaten track. I think you've you've done a great job mixing it up between, you know, the familiar and the unfamiliar. And man, you made my day. That one that you sent, it seemed like you sent it just for me. It was a rainy day and you sent me There's Brent. You sent me red red garland groovy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I thought, gee, Mario sent this track just for me. I don't know if that went out over uh, X and Twitter, but uh, well, you know, I did not. I should have given you credit because you are the inspiration for that. When you when you told me you listen to Red Garland Groovy on rainy days, I always think of that when it's raining, and because uh, it was raining the day I posted it. So yeah, today I might have to think of a of today I'm uh, for my jazz track of the day. I might have to do Orange Juice Jones, a cover <laughs> of jazz cover of I saw you and her walking in the rain. 
Right. I saw you and him walking in the ring. Yeah. Well, hey, you're doing a great job. I think so far you've been doing it for 30 days or 31 days. It's yeah, well, been a re- it's been a really good mix. I think anybody checking it out is going to get a real healthy jazz mixtape. I have out to of it. post it today. I just I haven't done it yet, or so. But we'll uh, we'll we'll get it done. Brent is doing a side project. He always does called the. What is it? Home Video Hustle Radio? Is that what it is? I was about to say, which one are you talking about? <laughs> you have like 10 of them. I know, right? Home Video Hustle HV8 Radio. I just put out episode 12 last week. Now you were asking, you asked a group question to the to your in your in your in your group chat. Yeah. Uh, what would we like to hear more of? You said mm-hmm. uh, I got a lot, there was a lot of great suggestions. Somebody said your favorite movie scores. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, and you always mix, you always mix, you always tell a lot of personal stories when you're, when you're, when you're playing yeah. the music. I would like you to do a, like a biographical sketch from like oh. early childhood, early music you remember hearing as a kid to like right now. Like, I'd like to hear like a whole, like kind of like the mind of Brent through music. I would, that's my suggestion for you. Oh, there's going to be a dark period in that. Hey, you know what, though? But that's, I mean, that's up to you if you want to share that. But, I mean, I think that's, a, oh, I think that'd be interesting. Now, that's a good and, idea. We did something similar a while back. We did, I called it the Home Video Hustle soundtrack. Right. Just all the songs that me and PJ would always reference and sing and rap on the podcast. Right, 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 right. I think it would be interesting to go from, like, early, you know, earliest things you remember, stuff your grandma listened to and your mom and your dad, and then... You know, stuff you got into as a kid. Because when you're like seven, you got your own, you're listening to like TV soundtracks and stuff or whatever, or at least I mm-hmm. was. And then you get a little bit older and then you get into your own music. I think that'd be really interesting. That's a good idea. I might have to try that. I know the next one I'm doing is going to be the Valentine's mix. Yeah. That was one of the most popular ones I've done so mm-hmm. far. So I'm going to do a part two. <laughs> I got my candles and my strawberries all ready. I got you. See, now I got the music for you, so it's all good. <laughs> That's a, that sounds like a title: candles and strawberries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have to name and it peppermint. That. That's not going to be this episode. This episode is going to be action blue balls. There you go, action blue balls. You're welcome, everybody. Action blue balls. The the James Bond depression cycle. Oh, saga. The... Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I I stand by that. People get mad at me when I say that. It, Which one was that? Was that was that the Daniel Craig stuff? The Daniel Craig movies, James Bond depression saga is what I've always That's pretty good. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, because it seems like the entire uh, arc is him working through his his pain of losing Vesper Lynn, right? Right. Mm -hmm. That's something that annoys me about modern movies, if I can go on a little baby rant real quick. Go. It's like with with certain movies, the James Bond ones are the first ones that come to mind, but everybody wants to make their movies, you know, oh, well, our characters aren't like they were before. They're dealing with deep personal issues, and they have demons they have to fight through. It's like, I don't want to watch that shit in a James Bond movie like that. I really, <laughs> that's not what the fuck I'm here for. Man. If I want to see something like that, I'll go watch another, I'll go watch some Criterion movie somewhere. I want to see a damn James Bond movie. Right. I want to see a car turn into a submarine, damn it, and somebody get impaled exactly. on, a, on a drill. Did that something. turn you off of the Daniel Craig's? I, I, I not really because I do like some like Casino Royale is still one of my favorite ones, like out of all of them. I love that movie, but that movie also was more it was like darker and more edgier, but it still felt like a James Bond movie. It's just the further they went on, like Skyfall is the one where it's, that's where the turning started. I like Skyfall, but that's where it started to happen. Yeah. And it's like half yeah. and half with that one. But then every, the two after that is just like, I don't really like those movies. That yeah. Yeah. 
it's interesting because you got a point. He's going in a whole different place. The old Bond was just like, whatever, you know, next case, next girl. And it's like, yeah. this one, he's, he's really, yeah, he's struggling. You're going, wow. He's like, a, well, you know what? It's like he's a human being. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that's not what I want. Not out of James Bond. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he's not. That's honestly just like he just ain't cool anymore. It's like there's no yeah. coolness to him. It's not fun. It's like, I don't want, I, I'm dealing with this at home. I don't want to watch this in a James Bond movie. Like, you got a point there. <laughs> and when, when they look back on this era, they'll go, boy, this was a, you know, when these were made, this is when they tried to give them feelings, you know? Right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> kind of like with the 70s, you go, boy, you know, when they made these James Bonds, you know? Mm -hmm. it's like, it all looks like Star Wars and it's goofy and car chases and you got, Sheriff Lobo chasing him down, and you know, <laughs> I always think that. Yeah, I, yeah, they just pivoted too hard, like you said in the seventies with Roger Moore and the comedy. Just pivot too far one way, and then with these, yeah, pivoted the exact opposite way too. Far. Yeah, and you can almost hear somebody. Somebody probably said that. Okay, let's go deep dish, heavy duty, emotionally you know, invested. We're not going to do any comedy. We're not going to overdo it on the gadgets. This is going to be deep dark. Nine Inch Nails mm -hmm. hurt Bond, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I hurt myself today. That could even be the soundtrack. <laughs> one of those Bond movies could have end, began with that. <laughs> Johnny Cash, that last one could have been Johnny Cash right. singing Hurt, you know? I hurt <laughs> myself today. The 10 seconds don't even talk. Again, don't in say, this movie don't... is the best part of my day. <laughs> By the way, I mean, you guys, what's that? I made... I made a, a a statement after after James Bond. What was was the last one? To no time to die. No time to die. Wake up. No time to die. <laughs> I said I I want to see Anna de Armas in spy movies. Okay, Netflix. Yeah, Netflix to. and Amazon Prime have heard me, and I'd like to take it. I'd like to take it back. I'd like oh, to take it back because yeah. those are two <laughs> terrible movies. Oh yeah. What she, were they called? One was called The Gray Man. Right? Is she in that? I, is, is she in that one? I know she did the one with Captain America. I can't remember the name of that one. She in Gray Man? I don't remember too? she's in the Gray Man. I never watched the Gray Man. So these are two horrible. spy movies, huh? Yeah. It's I think, two, I know two spy movies, huh? Hmm. Yep. Anna uh, Thomas is in there. Yeah. She's in the Gray Man and, and with Chris Evans. And then she's in another one called Ghosted, which is kind of like a rom-com spy movie. She's the best thing in both of them, but boy, they are not. Mm -hmm. They are not bueno. Well, oh, you got Ballerina coming out soon that you can watch. What's it called? <laughs> Ballerina, the John Wick spinoff that she's supposed to be in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is she only doing action movies now? It's what it seemed like. Uh -huh. <laughs> she found her niche. Well, she did that Marilyn Monroe movie that people either loved or hated when it came out. Oh, is that called true. Blonde? Yeah. But yeah. she was great in Knives Out as just a regular person. Yeah, it's, I, I like during Blade Runner too. You know, she wasn't a normal person in that one, but. right? Oh, she was she was the hologram, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, she was very good in that. that. Yeah, I like, I like the way John said that. She was very good. <laughs> well, she really was. I, every way you want to take that, I mean, she was beautiful. <laughs> she was beautiful, and but at the same time, you're going, "Wow, she nailed it!" Because that's a tough thing to play. You're playing something that doesn't exist. It, it yeah. really was just like a a computer image you know god that whole thing where they break the the break the thing with the chip so she's just permanently disengaged mm. what, what was that the bad guy just stomps on the chip and that's it he just completely yeah. disconnects her yeah 
she had something that made her she she could go out out of the house and still be able to uh, function, right? Right. Yeah, that's when that's you had the weird little like AR sex scene and all that stuff too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, she was amazing. I guess she. So you see, that's the first thing she was ever in, huh? That's the first thing I remember ever hearing her name. Yeah. I don't know. Talk about a great sequel. I tell you, I think that for uh, not being the original director, that was one of the best sequels I've ever seen. That worked. They yeah. nailed it. They nailed the uh, vibe. I, I thought this is going to be impossible to capture the vibe of the original 30 years later, but they did it. That's pretty good. That's why when I found out he was doing the Dune remake, I was like, oh, they probably good. then." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, He's a hell of a director. What did you think of the first Dune? Are you guys on board for the second part? Now that we're I never not going to finish the part. I still need to watch it. All right. I want, I want a full report. <laughs> I got you. It'd be on Letterboxd. <laughs> John, what did you think of the first Dune? I'm not I'm not a big Dune fan. Last one I saw was the David Lynch Dune. I just not on board. Hey, David I, Lynch I'm, don't even like it. <laughs> I've tried watching I've tried watching some of this new one on cable or something, and I just thought I, I cannot get interested. There's, these characters do not interest me. So I, I know that people love it, but I just can't can't get into it. We're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> i know you've read the books right you've invested in uh, a couple the first of the books. book i read uh, a friend of the show oh my gosh tawny no well tawny did tell me about it charlene robertson remember sam used to work at the shop do you remember sam who used to work at the shop it's his wife that lent yeah. me the lent me the book oh by the way sam robertson sam and his wife i'm gonna re, re- replay this sam's wife charlene very very nice woman she is suffering from fibromyalgia and 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 as a result she cannot work so they have a GoFundMe up so if you want to help some friends out if you want to do something nice for the new year i'm going to repost their GoFundMe, and i'm going to tell you i'll tell you guys about it and i'm going to i'm going to send it up so if you you guys find it in your heart to to donate if you can donate a small portion to them that would be great and if you can't retweeting it just making it more visible always helps or, you know, just resend it, passing it along. But Sam and his wife, you know, sending out positive thoughts to them. Uh, they're, you know, we, we all have struggles in life and they're having a little bit of a bad time right now. So they do have a GoFundMe live. I will post that. I meant to do it a couple of weeks ago and I totally forgot, but I wanted to mention it on the show. Sam, of course, worked at, he was one of the, he was Renee's coworker at the shop and a really great guy. Him and his, he and his wife, Charlene, they're just really just beautiful down to earth people. And uh, she was the one that let me do. So I finally read it after all those years. I always thought it was going to be one of those insurmountable books. I actually enjoyed the book enough to want to watch the movie. So, uh, okay. So there you go. There you go. I Got turns book, out, but I haven't read it. Turns out I love sci-fi movies more than I love sci-fi books. I've tried to read some sci-fi lately. I, I just can't, I just, I don't know. I can't get into it. Yeah, I can see that. It's, I'm kind of the same way. <laughs> I'll watch sci-fi movies. Has anyone seen The Creator? Yeah, I've seen it. I, I thought it was theater. about Tyler, The Creator, and I was like, when, once I started watching it, I was like, what? Believe it or not, I actually went to the theater to see that. I thought it was pretty sharp. Ryan Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, is that who directed it? I think so. And I always forget Denzel's son, uh, John. Uh, John. I forget his full name, but he was amazing. He's 
he's really he's now become a person that's kind of like if he's in it, I'll go see it. I'm sorry, it's yeah. Gareth Edwards, Gareth Edwards who directed Rogue One. Okay. And well, then, after uh, John seeing, David uh, Washington, after seeing Tenet and this movie, it's like now it's kind of like if he's in it, I'm going to go check it out. He's that solid, you know, kind of like his dad. You know, it got to the point where it's like, well, if Denzel's in it, I'm going to check it out. You know, right, right, right. right. So I thought it was pretty solid, and you know, a lot of it's about like a future shock with AI. I thought, boy, this is just the right time to put this movie out because <laughs> the whole idea is that you know the world's almost been destroyed and it's being blamed on AI. You know, well, just like Terminator, <laughs> baby, Skynet. Yeah, exactly. By the way, John, they Good are going to do it. They're going to do a Book of Eli television show. I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. They're going to do it. They're going to do Well, it. that was a great movie. I don't know if it'll work as a TV show. I mean, I can see where it would if they do it right. But I thought, you know, that was a hell of a movie. I'm just the, looking real quick, uh, Brent. I just got a meme sent to me. The most, un, the, the most unrealistic thing in The Mandalorian is how quickly he gets a babysitter. <laughs> that's actually kind of true <laughs> all right okay you know the thing about the creator is he get, he ends up with this kid i don't want to give too much away and mm-hmm. it kind of feels like an anime you know oh that he's got to kind of like look after this kid he's on the run and there's people after him but he's got to watch out over this little kid so what was the name of that thing lone wolf and cub was that the uh, yes yep. so not a hundred percent but it's got some of that vibe, you know, that he's on the run, but he's got to, he's got to look after this kid. Just like but the Mandalorian. Take, no, but I'm not going to tell you anymore because there's some great twists and turns. I thought it was pretty damn good. To check that out. Yeah. Love it. Guys, we've covered a lot today. We certainly have. We, we always do we, when Brent comes on. It turns into a very eclectic. <laughs> hey, all the movie nerds in one place. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I'm sorry for, I, I kind of faded though. I got a, I got a thing from NPR. Here's why conspiracy theories about Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl are spreading. And it's all these crazy, like, it's like, it's like, you know, it's, it's a whole, she's a, she's an agent for the left and blah, blah, blah. Love it. I love it. I love that they can't just admit defeat and they, they can't admit that they're well, popular jerks. It's always got to be some kind of conspiracy. Somebody said, if they're afraid of Taylor Swift, you can see that they really, they're scared. They're really in trouble. If they think that's going to be a problem, they, they don't have it together. Like, <laughs> like they think well, they do. Here's yeah. what I love about that's, it though. How do you know, all these years we've been, you and I, John, we've been doing like pulling, you know, pulling our hair out. Like, how do we, how do we, how do they counter Trump? Right. They can't seem to counter Trump. Right. They can. Yeah. What's their, we got King Ghidorah. Where's our Godzilla? Where is it? How do we fight this thing? And, uh, you know, if Joe Biden's Mecca Godzilla, then God help us, we're all in trouble. But you have, they they did it. They just, it's an entertainer. You put up another entertainer and you take ratings away from, that's just how you do it. It's like putting up a show, right? How do we stop this show from being good? We'll put up another show in the same time slot and that'll take all the viewership. And that's what's happened. It, It didn't happen on purpose, but that's what happened. If somebody wrote this, 
it's, you know, you'd say, geez, you couldn't write this. It would be unbelievable, but you're absolutely right. He started off is this, you know, knucklehead, you know, the apprentice. And yeah, how are you going to preempt him? You have to get something that gets higher ratings. So what gets higher ratings than the apprentice? Right. Well, at this point in time, it's going to be Taylor Swift. <laughs> so if this if this ends up being what saves the nation, it'll be an unbelievable finish to the Donald Trump era. <laughs> if this is what ends up taking him out, it's going to be something out of science fiction. Right. You know, you, you can't make this shit up. If she's the one that takes him down, everyone will just slap their forehead and go, unbelievable. Right. You know, right. we've been trying to do it through laws and Congress and the government and the impeachment. You know, it's like, this is what we had to do is get Taylor Swift to take him <laughs> down. Why didn't we think of that 10 years ago? <laughs> what the great thing is, she'll do it and then she's going to turn on everybody. Then she's going to I hope not. It'll be great. It, we've seen it all, John. We've watched enough movies to know. And see, he shot himself in the foot that way because they said, even if she's on the fence, he has now been so nasty to her. And with all this sort of like conspiracy crapola, even if she was on the fence, she'd be like, well, you guys are mean to me. So forget it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, they can't, they are their own worst enemy. I mean, it's taking forever, but really he has always been his own worst enemy. And if this is going to be the ultimate shoot himself in the foot, if this ends up being what takes him down. Right. I love it. Well, Hey, that was great. (laughs) I forgot what I was going to say. I had a point to make with that. And I can't remember what I was going to say. But yeah, it's crazy. We'll trace it back that, to the you beginning. Know, you said yeah, you got to get somebody that gets higher rate. We just it goes back to the gladiator thing, bread and circuses. We just want to be entertained, right? We just right. want to be entertained. That's right. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. If this, if he was, you know, he's a TV show. So how are you going to take him out? You got to find a TV show that people like better. Right. And no TV show stays on forever. You know, people evidently dig The Apprentice enough to make him president, but they, it's not going to last forever. John, are you not you familiar know? with Law and Order? That uh, show is never going off the air. So, yeah. <laughs> NCIS well. or. But, but. Grey's Anatomy. Yes, but Law and Order, the cast does change. Is, hey, there you go. I had a guy. The cast a, does change. I had a guy of the conservative persuasion say to me the other day, hey, you know, there's all these studies saying that young people like 40% of the young people are pre-diabetic in the United States. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's all the processed foods and processed sugar. We, he's like, well, you know, pre-diabetes can lead to dementia. He's like, and just think they're all going to be voting. And I'm all, well, just think about all the people with dementia who voted Donald Trump into office. And he didn't like that one bit. Yeah. He didn't like that one bit, but I was like, it's true. Well, (laughs) You know, we could get into a whole nother show with this. You look at the things they want to take away, health insurance, social security, you know, voters' rights, it, you, you know, uh, reproductive rights. You would think, I don't know, is this a winning hand? Take away all that stuff. Is that a winning hand for somebody running for president? I don't it know. It is because you're, you're, what you're doing is you're, it's the idea that I'm willing to sacrifice it if you take it away from the people I hate. I, if that's the what people it is. I hate it right are going to suffer, the then it's worth it to me. And that's their mentality, yeah. unfortunately. You're right. It's the culture wars. You're right. I hate these guys more than you do. And I'll tell you why. I hate them so much, I'm going to take away all your stuff. But you'll love me because I I didn't back down. I owned Listen, the list. I, I, so. I always say all the, all the other side needs to do is convince the, 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 the MAGA people that oxygen is a democratic conspiracy 
and then the problem is solved. And they'll, they'll just... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's all you gotta uh, do. But I, I, I think they finally, possibly, finally painted themselves into a corner. Taylor Swift, not to mention not to mention the fact that he seems like he's lost his marbles. He doesn't know Nancy Pelosi from uh, Nikki Haley. They don't, and they, they say, don't, they and don't they say, care. It's they, just their guy. They're not listening to him. I suppose. But it's the fence sitters. They say it's never going to be the MAGA base. But people that are on the fence, people that might vote for a third party, people that are kind of like independents, you know, there's still some people out there that could be persuaded. They're like, okay, you know, all right. That's an, it's enough that he doesn't know who's who anymore, you know. Listen, I, I say Brent for president. We run John on the vice presidential ticket. <laughs> I love it. And it's just I love movies it. let's, and every we're gonna just sit around and watch movies for four years, baby. I would do that. Yeah. I would do four that. Four day work weeks. <laughs> Brent will be like, I'll get commercials off Tubi so you can watch Trapping for Christmas without <laughs> oh, that's that's replacing it's a wonderful life for sure. Trapping and you know <laughs> a, a, a chicken in every pot and a, a bowl of buttered popcorn for everybody. Oh my god. Damn right. Okay, Damn that's it for real. For real. I gotta say goodbye. I said that okay. 30 minutes ago. I know. Sorry, that's how I beat, man. This show is not as long as uh, the birthday. If you get a, if you're gonna listen to one episode of home video hosting, you want to check it out. Listen to the birthday episode. Hey, you hear Anita drunk on that. Anita's drunk. You have guest stars. DJ drunk. Brent's dad is breaking it down about Mad Dog 2020. He's teaching these young kids. They don't know about the Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> he was really drunk. Yeah, that was good stuff. <laughs> that was a good show. I listened to it while I was making dinner for me and my mom. It was funny. I was I had an Alexa on, and I was like, I, it was great. It was a great way to spend an afternoon. Alexa, stop. That's it. I had to yell at her. All right, everybody. That's it. That's enough of the show, damn it. Brent, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on most of the social media outlets. You can find me on Twitter at capital H, capital V, capital H, capital P, lowercase podcast. I'm on Instagram at Home Video Hustle Podcast, Facebook at Home Video Hustle, YouTube at Home Video Hustle. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash home video hustle. And I did look it up. My letterbox page is letterbox.com slash podcast. There we go. You can find me in the comic section, comment section of all the of Brent's uh, social media pages. So just a shortcut. <laughs> John, oh, you can't find him anywhere. You can find me wandering the aisles of Barnes and Noble. There is a lady <laughs> on, on TikTok, John, and her, she does it for fun, but she tries to find people online. They do it voluntarily where they say, hey, can you find my birthday or find me? I don't have like an, a, a heavy internet presence. And they give her permission and she doesn't do anything untoward. She doesn't go like, she doesn't use like any kind of, she just does it using like social media software. And nine times out of 10, she finds people. And I'm, I always want to see if she can find John Sandy. I would never do it, but I always wonder, I'm like, <laughs> does John Sandy have enough of a digital footprint that she could find him? And then secondly- now, what was that? Now, what would that be? Would they find that I'm on your podcast just by virtue? Yeah, of the they would probably find that we've mentioned you, or we've tagged you, or there's like a picture of you that we've tagged yeah. you in. But yeah. you don't have anything to tag to, so we'll say no. John Sandy, but we, there's nothing. There's no link to anywhere because you don't have any online media page. That's kind of cool. That kind of makes 
And as a matter of fact, in a weird way, I think that's kind of cool in its own way that there's some person out there walking around that doesn't have a, a presence. On, right. And on her name media. is uh, her name is Khan on TikTok. And the bonus is she reminds me of Sue from the comic book shop. She reminds mm-hmm. me of the owner of the comic book oh, shop. Oh, that's she has cool. very Sue energy. Oh, uh, that's great. But it's very, like very it. cool. So she's shout out to Khan on TikTok. But anyway, uh, I always wanted to give her, I, I would never do it, but I was wondering, I wonder if she could find John. Well, I'd be curious, but maybe not curious to curious enough to actually do it. <laughs> but right. I wonder. I always thought it must be just like if you dropped my name or something, it maybe I turn up just well, like, to for the, example, uh, one guy was freaking out because there was a there was a picture, somebody had used a picture in their in his profile, and he like they posted a profile picture of him and he he had no idea where the picture was taken. Or who took the picture and it uh, freaked him out. So he went yeah. to her for help and it turned out it was her, it was the guy's dad had taken like a video ca- screen capture from uh, YouTube uh, of like a, a YouTube video that they were all in. And she was like, Yeah, it's just your dad. Like your dad put this picture up and he was freaked out about it. It was like, Who's yeah, stalking me? now? And it just ended up being your dad, you know, the guy's dad. These days to identify anybody, I mean, it, it's just like uh, you've probably posted. You probably posted pictures when Brent was visiting California. You probably mm-hmm. put that sure, on. Did sure. you post some pictures of all of us at the comic shop? Yeah, no. I said. I said this people is people that can. Yes, yeah, I said this is my friend John Sandy, who resides at one two three four, movie move classic movies dot dot lane. I love it. <laughs> in, Wouldn't it be great if that's where I really live? In any town USA. Wouldn't it be great? Any town USA. One two three four Main you Street. <laughs> You, you gave some address. You're like, isn't that isn't that the address to the old dark house? Thirteen <laughs> thirteen Mockingbird Lane. Oh, that's the greatest. I love that. Thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane. For the Ugh. last goddamn time, for Brent, for John, for myself, <laughs> I get on my own tangents. We say this transition ends now. Fight the power. 